0: Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique
1: special method
0: that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever
2: find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So, when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, <coughs> it's scary.
0: Let's
3: Greetings and welcome once again to another episode of the Retro Octopus Cephala Podcast. The only show that celebrates all the things that made growing up awesome. We are part of the Dorkening and a Podcast Networks and as always, brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee. I am your host, 8 Out, and with me as always are my fourth wall breaking parody laden cohorts, Parasite Seed.
1: Destiny's powerful hand has made the bed of my future, and it's up to me to lie in it. I am destined to be a superhero, to right wrongs, and to pound two-fisted justice into the hearts of evildoers everywhere. And you don't fight destiny. No, sir. And you don't eat crackers in the bed of your future, or you'll get all scratchy.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You just don't do it. You just don't uh and nintendo i'm just a guy who's a hero for fun that's fair enough that's true but i think you're a hero because you're good at it
2: some some crew (laughs) at it
3: so what are we so what are we doing here today lads uh we are talking about parody superheroes um this was an idea you know That kind of got spawned because there are a bunch of heroes out there that are goofy and fun and just satirical and meant to be poking fun at this genre that is so prevalent right now. Um, But also because there are so many shows and just different forms of media that have like in world parody superheroes and they just i don't know I, I like i wanted an excuse to get to talk about some of them because they're great they're great side characters it's clearly a thing that a lot of creators went through um definitely during the 90s big time there are so many shows that just were like let's have a fake superhero uh and i don't know that shit's really fun so yeah that's that's the idea you guys game
1: i'm so hell good. yeah yeah sweet sweet we got some we got some subdivision of the theme as well we do the first half is not like the second half
3: that's correct so the first half of the episode what we're doing is spotlighting we're each going to spotlight one of like what we think are super big deal like you know focus of their medium parody heroes so we're talking about characters that like they are the star of their comic the star of their show like they're the main character But they're a parody, whereas the second half of the episode, each of us have chosen two smaller time parody heroes that are the thing I was just talking about, like a in-world hero that's in another show that technically does not have anything to do with that character. They just exist in that world. Right, Um, like
1: the characters on the show also are fans of them. Right, the characters have, like Dexter's Laboratory, had major glory and, and like and stuff yeah, like that you'd watching on right? tv and, and yeah. you know, like, yeah. stuff like that
3: yep so that was kind of like a, a fun way to split it up um and honestly there's there's so much to talk about you might be like how do you even fill a whole episode with this shit right it's like uh it was actually really hard to even decide because there were so many that came up that i that like i thought of you guys thought of like Honestly, this episode could do a whole second one, and it would be <laughs> fine. It's crazy, and and I was just talking to a couple of people about it, and they're like, "Oh my god!" As soon as they started thinking about the subject, like, I can't believe how much material there is for that. I'm like, "Yeah, it's pretty freaking crazy, but uh, it's a thing." So we're gonna we're gonna get right into it and, uh, and talk about it. You guys yeah. know how we do it: first mm-hmm. half octoponder, second half B segment. Get out of there, uh, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog style. Uh, so. If you guys don't mind, do you mind if I start things off? Do you have anything love- do you have do you have any anything you want to say up front before we get into some shit?
1: No. Nope. Uh I would like to say spoon. Spoon.
3: Okay. <laughs> All right. Valid. Uh okay. So I will start this whole shebang off. Uh, Feel free to interject with thoughts, memories, and feelings, but I do have a lot of wordage here, so I want to just be able to get through a chunk of it, so whatever, we'll see how it goes. Uh, So I'm going to start things off with Earthworm Jim. Uh, Earthworm Jim, some of you may have played his video games, some of you may have watched his cartoon show, some of you may have done both, some of you might not know at all. This character which in in the retroids i feel like is hard to believe um yeah i think i think everyone knows earthworm jim
1: yeah this character had his day for sure yeah yeah
3: yeah, big time and i mean he was a bit of a casualty of just like he was so 90s um and then just kind of like couldn't really couldn't really like stick it out throughout the rest (laughs) of the decades and stuff but man not for lack of trying Uh, So, start things off with some history, Playmates Toys found success with their license for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and they wanted to start their own franchise. They were inspired by the success of Sonic the Hedgehog with Sonic 1 and 2, and they decided that they wanted to start their franchise for a new character as a video game, which was a fairly rare approach at the time. From there, the game's design started with creator Doug Ten Napale's simple sketch of an earthworm. That he presented to Shiny Entertainment. Um, this impressed David Perry and the rest of Shiny Entertainment, and they decided to buy the rights to Earthworm Jim from TenNapel and start developing the game. Uh, from there, they uh, would work on. Uh, Ten worked on doing the game design, creating level ideas, and voice acting for Jim's character. Um, while David Perry and other programmers from Shiny created all the other characters and game mechanics. Uh, the video game had a really just crazy ass, like bonkers atmosphere, world, characters, everything. And a huge part of this was because uh, the developer previously had only really worked on very rigidly structured licensed games like uh, 7UP's Cool Spot, where they were told from up high, like, look, you got to do it this way, you got to conform to our companies like Preset Image and limitations and whatever for mascots so this was the first time they got a chance to just go completely hog wild um and so what ended up resulting was a game that was a total satire of platform video games of superheroes of just about anything they could uh and it really worked it made him, it made earthworm jim stand out uh, a lot from the crowd of what was available at the time um so a little bit about earthworm jim uh, for most of his life, Jim was just a generic earthworm, engaging in normal worm activities such as digging in the dirt, crawling, and fleeing from hungry birds. Until one day, uh, fate should happen to smile upon him, and his life was changed forever. Uh, a fearsome bounty hunter named Psychro was en route to deliver his ultra high tech, indestructible super space cybersuit to Queen Slug for a butt but got in a confrontation with another spaceship and lost the suit out of the airlock. The suit fell to Earth, landing on a farm somewhere in the southern United States. While fleeing from a flock of hungry crows, Earthworm Jim took refuge in said mysterious power suit. The suit's powerful atomic particles affected Jim's wormy flesh and caused him to grow and evolve at a fantastic rate. Uh, upon discovering that his new fan, newfound powers granted by the suit he overhears Psycho talking to Queen Slug for a butt and becomes interested in meeting the Queen's twin sister, Princess What's-Her-Name, setting up the events <laughs> of the first game. <laughs>
1: the character's so, actual name is Princess What's-Her-Name. Princess What's-Her-Name name. What's What's
3: so and her sister mm-hmm. is Queen Slug for a butt. Uh, <laughs> also, just in case you are wondering Earthrim Jim's stats, uh, while he's in the suit, he's supposed to be five <laughs> foot eight and weigh about 154 pounds. Okay. This is the information available it out there It looks a on little bit bulkier
1: than that, but maybe <laughs> yeah, you know, it it's, does. it's not muscle mass, I guess. So you see those just like, made of plastic or something?
3: Yeah, but like the Boris Vallejo like hyper detailed musculature on Earthworm Jim <laughs> suggests that he weighs like three hundred pounds of just solid <laughs> yes. beef. Yes. Oh my god. Um. So Jim's personality, he can be a bit naive. He's uh, somewhat of a degenerate and rarely thinks before rushing into battle. But on occasions, he can be very cunning. He's also very gullible and has been known to trust villains in some very not-so-convincing disguises. Uh, He has a rather large romantic infatuation with Princess What's-Her-Name, which usually confuses her in the cartoon, but he does not falter in his resolve. Jim is also fairly childish, enjoying pop-up books, snow globes, and other childish things. In the game, Jim has a slight Southern accent and has some very memorable catchphrases such as "Groovy" and "Whoa, Nelly," um,
0: (laughs) uh, along with a
3: shitload
1: of other ones. But yeah, Whoa, Whoa, Nelly. Nelly! (laughs) I love that.
3: (laughs) Super funny. Um,
1: What What would he say when you would start like the? uh... Because there were like the race sequences where you're trying to yeah, catch Psycho. Tur- like right the You would the say rocket. something funny at the beginning of those two. I can't remember. Oh dang.
3: There there was like a whole list of, of different quotes that he said across all sorts of different mediums, but those are the two that I, I always remember. <laughs> Groovy. Um so, to get into some of his abilities, uh, Jim primarily relies on his supersuit, which grants him super strength, durability, and the ability to do many things Worm could not do, since they don't have limbs. Uh, his main weapon is a rapid-fire plasma blaster, which can also fire a massive powerful beam when you collect a certain power-up. Uh many of Jim's signature abilities however are not exclusively due to the supersuit but due to his own long stretchy worm-like body. For instance, he can use himself as a whip to attack enemies at close and mid-range or as a lasso to grab onto small ledges and swing off of them, giving him unparalleled mobility. Uh he is even known to use his body as a propeller, slowing down his fall while he is quite vulnerable and weak if separated from his suit he still has access to various abilities a regular earthworm would not have such as coiling himself into a spring and jumping so he's not just your average
1: earthworm he's he's got he's got skills he's too. also not your average guy in a suit like he really is so unbelievably so weird unique. Yeah. and as far as like a game goes like having all that whip stuff like that's so unexpected yeah. You know, yeah. And no no other item. You, sort of you would run out of ammo and
3: you'd be like, Okay, yeah. well if I'm out of ammo, I gotta I gotta use the whip, you know. Yep. And or, you could you could, and he like whips his whole self.
1: Yeah, and you could like swing on stuff like Indiana Jones or Simon Belmont in Castlevania Four. Or yep. you know, like or you know, like I you said there was lasso things, like I don't yep. know. They, they really were so creative in every level <laughs> of mm-hmm. like what you could do with this very unique character.
3: Yeah. It it surprisingly felt cool, like in a way that you were like, "Why is this cool?" You know, like he's so ridiculous, but the the way he was drawn and animated and his goofiness and like all the stuff you could do his his gun honestly felt badass. Like when you would use that rapid fire plasma rifle like mm-hmm. oh my god they like like the, just the sound effect and the rapid like you know just kind of like muzzle flare off of that thing like it was cool you could right. shoot in any direction like it was it right was and, definitely and, and
1: this was a case where and I only a few video games did this to my recollection you didn't see the projectile and it, yep. it, it was just a it was a saying. muzzle flash right it was yeah. a muzzle flash and then it essentially would hurt something if they were in that direction no yeah. matter how far away they were so yeah. It really felt different overall.
3: Yeah, that's it a good point. It, was it wasn't cool, like Mega yeah. Man where you had a shot you had to hit a guy with. It's like, no, you just have to be shooting in the right direction. Or even yeah. yeah, it's like it, every proje- yeah. every
1: running gun, you can always see the bullets. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like there are a couple others that do this, but I mean, it's definitely not common. Not a lot, uh, of yeah
3: yeah i definitely think of earthworm jim for this um so moving on uh you know any good hero is also defined by their their rogues gallery of villains uh and man earthworm jim is is certainly like shines with his villains so uh you have evil the cat evil the cat is pure evil said to be born with no heart he is the eternal ruler of the volcanic planet not <laughs> hell, but the planet Heck. <laughs> he is a personification of Evil. Uh, fun fact, Evil, the cat, actually made his debut in a 1991 comic written by Doug Ted called They Called Him Evil, which shows that Evil had a pet owner named Wenzel, and this predates Earthworm Jim. When Earthworm Jim okay. was starting to become an idea and being worked on, uh, the team suggested that Ted pull from his previous comic, and bring evil the cat into it kind of cool
1: no
3: idea um, there's Psychro, which I mentioned was the uh, progenitor of the supersuit. Uh, he's a mutated talking human-sized carrion scavenger with a pot belly and a taste for worm flesh and uh, <laughs> maniacal tendencies. Psychro wears a yellow jumpsuit with a utility belt topped by the clear glass bubble of a spacesuit helmet. Psychro attains flight by means of a very advanced jetpack that can enable even travel between planets and outer space. He also Funnily enough, has three tail feathers that are each individually covered by his suit. <laughs> it's like it makes no sense. It should it should just be a suit that like hugs his butt, but instead it's like there's three perfectly suit covered tail feathers, right. uh, which is just great. <laughs> or
1: they should be black um, and that they're sticking out, but no, they're, <laughs> right, they're
3: right. It's like nope, nope. They're also in the yellow jumpsuit. <laughs> it's like okay. <laughs> uh, there is also Queen Slug for a butt, uh, who is known in her her birth name, as the evil queen pulsating, bloated, festering, sweaty, pus filled, malformed slug for a butt, uh, that is her full name. uh she is the twin sister uh, of Princess what's her name, although in a graphic novel called "Launch the Cow," she was depicted as her mother which is weird. Uh, Weird. But she does not resemble Princess What's-Her-Name at all. Princess What's-Her-Name, I feel like, is definitely going for that, you know, just kind of pretty damsel in distress, but has, like, Mm -hmm. a bee suit. Um, And then Queen Slug for her butt is just a ginormous, like, looks like a queen termite, just like a huge, nasty, like, grub body and this, like, creepy bug, you know, face and torso and whatever. Um, Yeah, with the big sack. The yeah, giant it's old...
1: like, yeah. If you guys have never seen uh, an African tw- queen termite with the egg sac on, please Google old... that shit. And uh, <laughs> not only will it inform you as to what we're talking about here, but you you just need that in your brain. You need that to exist in there. You know, at night when you're trying to go to sleep and try not to think about the insides of leatherback turtles' mouths.
3: And we're telling you this from the safety of this side of the podcast, where you can't say anything to us or hurt us when you look mm-hmm. it up. So, have fun. Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, we also got Bob, the killer goldfish. Uh, oh, Bob yeah. is literally just a goldfish, and he rides around in a small glass bowl <laughs> and gets his feline, giant feline minions, particularly number four, to do all the work for him. Bob does not put up much of a fight. Um, in Earthworm Jim, Jim just simply knocks the bowl with Bob in it off a table and leaves him to flop around on the Funniest floor chip. as you beat the as you beat the level. It's just like, oh, <laughs> it's Bob the Killer Goldfish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna basically knock you on the floor and walk away. One <laughs> hit
1: kill. So funny. And I, I have to mention that the so the level was really hard. And it was oh like this God, underwater. It? <laughs> yeah, it was this underwater level, but you're all like in these like, you know, plastic tubes, like these big like <sighs> mm-hmm. tubes connected to each other. And the movie The Meg has an underwater oh. space station that's kind of like that, like an underwater oh. station that's like that. And like it just the first time I saw the trailer for the Meg, my the <laughs> very first thing that my brain did was go back to the level of Bob the Gold Bob the Goldfish. I'm like, I that don't know, this so reminds funny. me of the Bob the Goldfish level from our jam. <laughs> it really freaking
3: does. Like just that clear, perfect <laughs> yeah. glass tube. Yeah. And, and just like that aesthetic is so similar.
1: Yeah. And, and I'm just like, wow, no nobody else is having this thought. Uh I mean,
3: right. <laughs> but there I mean, it
1: is.
0: It,
3: you feel like there's no way, right? <laughs> uh there's also Major Mucus. Major Mucus desired Earthworm Jim's supersuit, which led to the two having a bungee jumping duel over a pit of snot in the snot a problem level. Uh, the major's pet Mucus Flembrain would eat Jim if he fell too close to the pit of uh, snot this level sucked it was yeah. just a level it was just a boss fight level and it happened right after bob the goldfish and i remember that i so so hard tried to beat this level over and over and over and over and over again and man it's like you just kind of got to get lucky it really felt super i mean let's be honest the game's not easy not an easy no, game at no, all no, 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 for being a parody hard. fun goofy good time guy it's like yeah. this is a hard ass game um, you know, for a variety of different reasons, but yeah, major mucus is there, and then uh, last of all, at least I'll mention if you if there's another one you guys think of, please uh, chime in. Uh, but there's Professor Monkey for a head. Yeah, uh, Professor Monkey not, for a head is the mad scientist. Idea. He's the mad scientist who invented the ultra high tech indestructible superspace cybersuit for Queen Slug for a butt. The professor has a monkey grafted to his forehead. His simian skullmate, named Monkey Professor for a head, seems to have a mind of his own. <laughs> And he often pesters the professor with his jab rings, which the professor can somehow understand. And they share a single set of eyeballs. <laughs> right. Monkey professor for a head. So was not funny. a thing I had ever read before today. So and funny. I laughed so much.
1: I I don't know. Like this, this huh? I don't know. I love I love me some Earthworm Jim. I loved it back yeah. then. I, I think this is a game that people sort of, like don't really fondly remember I, I I think it probably wasn't the best game but it was like so inc- like the presentation was so unbelievably yeah. top notch yes. it was like a
3: graphical <clears throat> tour de force like people were like oh my god look at this yeah. game
1: gorgeous, and-, game. gorgeous. Yeah. and the sound too the music yep. and the, the the amount of talking that there was like it just felt like almost next next level or something it was yeah. just we hadn't seen it you know, it was like that and Donkey Kong Country. There was something about those yep. that just felt like they were maybe not quite 16 bit. Of course they were. But, you know, it was just yeah. that that good. And yep. uh, I think that the the controls are just super janky. And I think that people found it too frustrating. I kind of liken it to a, a Battletoads sort of a deal. Right. Um, right. But with Earthworm Jim, I I personally was able to get very far in it. I played it a lot. I know that I couldn't beat the final couple of levels, and I I like cheated and used the game genie at one point just to see the end. Okay. Um, but I never was able to beat it on my own. But I I was pretty good at the game, and I definitely got very very far. And um, I I loved it. I, I remember there being a time where I said this was my favorite game on the Super Nintendo. Now. Years later, that is not the case. You know, it's it's really just a rose-colored glasses, you know, it's brand new sort of scenario, but, you know, given time to sink in, it's like, no, of course not. But it was, a, I think it was, a, you know, a good game. I think it's a great yeah. presentation. Yeah. Uh, and my God, do I love the characters and all those bosses and all the things you just said. So funny. I no, I Really such I, a,
3: a, like, wit, like, just sharp as a whip yeah sense of humor with and, this game that's so often like stuff like this just falls in yeah. its face
1: but yeah, it's like exactly. earthworm jim is
3: just funny somehow it's, really it's fucking so funny. funny
1: and like honestly it's weird like i think you were kind of saying this already but like i think he looks cool yeah it's it's like yeah. I, there's he something about the he's not he's not cool on paper but he's cool. right right he should be so stupid that the best you can get is he's silly and he's funny yeah. But no, it's like, I legitimately think he looks cool. Um, He's got, you know, very much a a simple design as far as the body goes. But like, it's white with dark blue trim and combined with his like pale pink head and his like, he's got two different eyes, like one's green, one's black. And I don't know, like, there's just a lot of design in this. It's it's like a simple design, but not. There's still a lot of care put into that. And it just works for me. I really like it. it does.
3: I really actually done. think
1: he's one of the coolest characters we're going to talk about looks wise tonight. Right. Agreed.
3: Agreed. Yeah. And they they did um they did kind of give Earthworm Jim a, a second shot. You know, over the I mean, you know, the the game had a bunch of sequels and whatnot. But I think maybe in the mm-hmm. last ten years or so, they did re-release Earthworm Jim, the first one as Earthworm Jim HD, and it is available on you know Steam and the Epic Store and a bunch of other platforms too, which is great. Okay. I'm glad that it has been brought into the modern era just for you know preservation if nothing else Mm -hmm. you know nobody else is playing this whatever but it's there they gave you know they expanded like the the aspect ratio and all this other stuff which is really Mm -hmm. cool um one other thing to mention before we move on from earthworm jim is that earthworm jim had a cartoon show um and the cartoon show was uh you know honestly pretty good it became a cartoon show in 1995 on kids wb and it ran for just over a year having two seasons with 23 episodes total um you had dan castellanetta as earthworm jim uh awesome. you actually had uh, you had jeff bennett as a character i haven't mentioned yet uh who's peter puppy uh earthworm oh, yes. jim had a little little puppy buddy who would occasionally go berserk um like complete berserker rage and turn into this ginormous foaming rabid you know hulking rabies beast and uh and then would just go right back to being like a normal cute little puppy uh and so he was actually a mechanic in the second earthworm gym game where there was a level that you were like dealing with him but going back and forth um you had Charlie Adler as Professor Monkey for a head, Jim Cummings as Psycho and Bob the Killer Goldfish, and Edward Hibbert as Evil the Cat. Um, there's actually a ton of people that do a lot of different voices. I kept it to a minimum, but um, feel free to check out the voice cast yeah. online. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the episodes of the show involved, you know, the series' various number of villains attempting to reclaim the super suit or conquer the universe. Other issues facing Jim included returning his neighbor's egg beater and finding a new power source after his suit's battery ran out. Also, the show breaks the fourth wall with characters often talking to the audience and the narrator. Um, I feel like this is kind of a trope of a lot of these characters that are Mm -hmm. considered parody is breaking that fourth wall. Um, Episodes uh, began with a cold opening of Earthworm Jim and Peter Puppy in some sort of peril that had nothing to do with the main plot or or the past episodes, with a little statement of how they got into the mess. Um, In between parts of the episode, there'd be some short side stories featuring some of the villains doing more of their just natural parts of life, usually with no involvement from Jim. Uh, And then in season two, the cold opens for the episodes changed to become more relevant to the plot, and the side stories were dropped entirely. Uh, The end of every episode involves a character being crushed by a cow. Which is an homage to the original game, uh, which spoiler for a you know thirty odd year old game, uh, the game, beat. right? So the game starts and you are in this first level and you hit a point like partway through where there is a cow on a on a on a seesaw and there is a giant like heavy like safe hanging above it. And you have to shoot the safe down, and the safe falls down and it and it just you know counterweights the cow and fucking rockets that thing off the I think screen. it says and launch then, the cow. So I think it the calls screen, it. There is flashing time. words that say cow launched, cow launched like you just <laughs> achieved a thing. And you're like what the fuck cow launched? Like what is that? Why <laughs> right, did I right. want to do that? So you, you know, keep going through the game, you play through the whole rest of the game, you probably forgot all about cow launched. And right. uh and then you get to the end of the game and you beat the last boss and you are right, you know, at the end saving uh princess what's her name and you're finally about to embrace and you know make a kiss or whatever you're going to do and the cow comes back down and crushes princess what's her name and she's fucking dead (laughs) (laughs) and the game ends and it's just that's it it's like (laughs) what a fucking setup (laughs)
0: yeah, <laughs> What
3: the actual fuck is that? Yeah. So unbelievably so funny, funny and random. And it's like, oh man, I don't know. Was there maybe just not that much zany random humor at the time? Because like that to me now feels like, okay, that's maybe, you know, not the most shocking thing in the entire world for current shows or something, but <clears throat> that's so funny. It's so fucking funny to set up a joke like that seemingly with no payoff and then have it completely ruin the ending. It's like, I mean, there's nothing
1: like that in video games. I'm sorry. That is such a crazy thing. As far as like the overall humor, like in the cartoon show, it was very similar to another cartoon show at the time, Freakazoid. And that also did not last very long. It only lasted like a season or two as well. And I loved both. They were both on at the same time. One one of us could easily have picked Freakazoid tonight. Yeah, I almost did. I thought about it. Such Mm -hmm. a funny show. Um, I I think the main thing people remember that endured from Freakazoid was just Candlejack. I remember, like, there was this one episode, and he there's this creepy character named Candlejack. That's this kid's telling a a campfire story, and he I always thought he looked really, really cool. He looks like a Tim Burton character or something. And like, I I've seen him more than I've seen, I've seen more enduring love for Candlejack than I have for Frieza's voice it was just it's years later funny. started to show up on the internet everywhere and i'm like oh my god it's, it's candle jack i totally remember this guy he was great he was in it for one second like one second but um <laughs> <laughs> anyway another funny show that had yeah. very zany crazy out there humor yeah similar but it just i don't know it was weird it just didn't last either so yeah
3: i don't know yeah it it it's just Public you wasn't know, yeah, public wasn't ready, and maybe those things would have would have been, you know, a little bit more successful today. Who knows? There's mm-hmm. a lot of competition today, but uh, but anyway, so that basically is uh, is what I wanted to talk about for Earthworm Jam. Yeah, great character, mm-hmm. great game, really funny show, worth revisiting. Mm-hmm. Honestly, a lot of like the world building and the character relationships and all that stuff that I read in the intro uh, were fleshed out by the show. You know the the game didn't have this like rich lore. It's a fucking game for the Sega Genesis. You know, it's like you might get a, a blurb in the in the instruction manual, but a lot of those character relationships and things are fleshed out in the show. So it's it's pretty cool to have that as right. like a. I you know, I
1: think that there was like a really good book that came with like a good instruction book that came with the game. Cause I remember like, how else did we know all these things? How else did we know <laughs> the names of stuff? Cause I had it for the super Nintendo and this was a nu- This was one of those few games that, you know, we were talking about in a few episodes recently, how like, you know, super Nintendo Genesis would have like va- vastly different versions of the same game. Yep. Right. Like in the case yep. of like a Batman and Robin or something like that totally completely different original games or like jurassic park or something even things that were licenses like that they would just be totally different or tiny tunes we just recently talked about and uh and with this game it was not a license really it de- he debuted as far as the world knew on the in the game and it came out as the same game for both systems
3: yeah, because I had really a Nintendo. Really yeah, but the game was just like, nope. Only only real difference you're gonna feel here is the is the soundtrack, you know, being done differently. You know, same songs but just different instruments. But like mm-hmm. the games are identical.
0: Yeah, yeah pretty unheard
3: sure. of. Um. All right, yeah. awesome. So let's hand it over to Nintendo for your pick. Air maker.
2: You baby So uh, me. my pick is not really like like super retro or anything, but I feel like it's like one of the best uh, parody superhero shows of all time. And that's one punch man. Nice. Okay. Um, yeah. So One one punch man is a Japanese superhero manga series created by one, it tells the story of Satama, a superhero who, because he can defeat any opponent with a single punch he grows bored from he grows <laughs> bored from the lack of, of a challenge and one wrote the original webcomic manga version in early 2009. So that's when it all started. But I didn't actually, like, know about this series until it came out as uh, as an, uh, an anime. Yep. Um, there's only two, two seasons. The first season came out back in 2015 with 12 episodes. And then nearly four years later...
3: It took so fucking long. I still haven't even seen it.
2: It's really good. It's really season
3: good. Season one, I did like quite a bit.
2: Yeah. Uh, and a third season was announced just a year ago.
0: Oh it's, my uh, God. It's taking like such a yeah.
2: long time for them to, you know, re- release seasons. Yep. Yeah. Um, so the whole thing with One Punch Man is that, you know, like I said earlier, you just can kill or defeat any opponent with just a single punch. Yep. But, he had this specific training regimen, and all he did <laughs> every single day for a year and a half was 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, 100 squats, and a 10,000-mile run, or 10, 10K, I'm sorry, 10K run.
3: Okay. okay, 10K run. So he
2: had to do that. 100 push-ups,
3: 100 sit-ups.
2: Yeah, so freaking crazy. And one of the things I, I love about this show is that, I mean, not only is it just like a, a parody of superheroes, um, the art style is like mm-hmm. random. Like sometimes, you know, Santa, Santa will look like so freaking badass, and yes, like fucking kick your ass. And then, then he'll look like a little, like a little kid, a little dopey doopy looking.
3: Yeah. Like her, yeah. Like they that. go back and forth between like hyper detailed, like yeah, ultra fucking yeah. like yeah. crazy. And then just yeah. like, Boring, boring, normal. Yeah. Not That's so threat. funny.
1: That sort of that makes me think of like Ren and Stimpy. Would always do that.
3: Yes. Yeah, that was yeah. such a '90s thing too. Like the Very random, 90s. like oh shit, detail. Like, but done done to like a <laughs> Sp- grotesque SpongeBob effect. would
1: do
0: that. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs> big time. When SpongeBob dried out, <laughs> and, and they zoomed in on him, and he's just like his eyes are like <laughs> like they're all <laughs> sorts of fucked up, like that <laughs> that hyper yeah. detail for for yeah. yeah. I forgot that One Punch Man did that. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, really cool. Um, So the plot is, on a supercontinent version of Earth that has four moons, powerful monsters and supervillains wreak havoc. The millionaire, Agani, creates the Hero Association, which employs superheroes to fight evil. Satoma, an unassociated hero, hails from City Z and performs heroic deeds as a hobby. For three years, he has trained enough to defeat any enemy with a single punch, his unmatched strength leaving, leaving him bored. He becomes a reluctant mentor to Genos, who is a cyborg seeking revenge against another cyborg who killed his family and destroyed his hometown after Cinema defeats a monster that defeated Genos. Senema and Genos join the Hero Association, hoping to attend nobility, uh, but Genos instantly obtains an S class rank. Meanwhile, due to scoring low on the written exam, despite having a perfect score on the the physical exam, Sedema only becomes a C-class hero. His feats remain unnoticed even after saving people from an asteroid and then a C-monster, barely getting himself promoted to B-class. Later, shortly before her death, the, the seer I can't pronounce his name. Shiba Bawa predicts that the world is in great danger and the alien Boros invades the planet. The hero kills the invaders and destroys Boros' ship, and Sediment defeats Boros in a single combat. (laughs) Monsters began panicking faster while the rogue martial artist Garo, a former apprentice of the hero Bang, a self dubbed hero hunter, began terrorizing heroes. Due to childhood bullying, he holds a grudge against everything heroic. The heroes learn that the monster influx comes from the Monster Association, an organization of monsters under City Z, intent on destroying the Hero Association. They attack various Cities, recruits fighters by offering them monster cells that mutates humans into monsters and, and kidnap a Hero Association executive son. Garo bonds with hero a child who idolizes heroes as he hunts down more heroes his combat prowess is slowly is slowly rising the monster association attempts to recruit him and kidnaps the child when garo refuses he storms the monster association uh, hq trying to rescue the child but ultimately gets captured it just goes on and on and, on, and it's just yeah it's just such a good show. I highly recommend anyone watching. It. I would love to read the manga, to
0: be honest.
3: Yeah, and I will say to you know, people who are interested in getting into manga, I think I've said this on a previous episode, but like for me, forever, my problem was always like shelf space. You know, manga are always like 30, 40 volumes, you know, whatever. And it's like you gotta get all these different books, you gotta line them all up. It's like it's a lot of space to have for just yeah. even one storyline. But Almost all, like, you know, kind of relevant current manga and even older manga for, that came out in the 80s and 90s and stuff like that have become available digitally on, you know, Amazon Kindle. I use the Google um, Google Play Books store. And my God, has that opened up the the possibilities for getting into manga. Because now, you know, I have a 50-volume manga series that can just live on my phone and i can still enjoy all the super high quality scans you can see all the artwork perfectly and they even do a really nice thing with a lot of these manga where if you tap on the screen it'll highlight the text bubble and if you just keep tapping on the screen it'll highlight them in order that they are supposed to be read so it'll yeah. kind of like it'll like zoom in on them and make them larger so you're able yeah. to actually go through the pages really quickly because you're able to just have the app if if it's if the manga supports it you're able to go through them and have all these little speech bubbles kind of pop up and zoom in and out and stuff as they're called in, in order. Um, it's great. It's really, really great. So, I mean, if you, if you haven't gone into any manga because of that, definitely look to the ebook, um, option, but, um, yeah, I mean, One Punch Man for me was a show that I just looked at and was like this looks so dumb and I right, didn't right. understand that it was a spoof. I I just thought like I was like okay, you know, anime's now are all about having, you know, a superhero, they're all, you know, kind of about having a kid who starts out weak and then gets really strong over time and does this whole, you know, thing. It's, you know, it's it's a it's a trope. And um and so for this it's, it's a shounen. Shonen is like what the, the trope is called. When you have yeah. it, starts out weak, gets strong. Uh, Dragon Ball Z, My Hero Academia, all of them. So many of them do this. So yeah. when my buddy was like, dude, we got to watch One Punch Man. And I'm like, really? He's like, dude, just come over. We'll watch a few episodes. If you're not into it, we don't have to keep watching it. And uh, we watched the first like three episodes. And I'm like, okay, this is awesome. This is really yeah. fun and funny Definitely. and great. It's got, like, such a good sense of humor, and so much of the show is not about the fighting, because One Punch Man does fight and right. just fucking wrecks them in one punch. And it's, like, the most epic punch ever. Like, the way that they animate him punching a person, it's just like a supernova goes off. Right. And uh, it's just so epic. And The, the uh, serious,
2: super serious punch, or whatever it's called.
3: Right. It's It is... It is very funny. And I think it's such a breath of fresh air in a world of so many anime that seem to take themselves a bit too seriously. I mean, right. even you know, even the goofier ones. Like My Hero Academia is obviously, it's a school about superheroes. Like, it's not going to be that serious. But even within the show, it gets a little too self-serious. It's like, yeah. oh, we got to have like a serial killer. We got to have a mass murderer. We got to have people that are getting killed left and right and do all this other stuff. And it's like, this is a high school about superheroes. Like, I don't know. It's just, you know, you kind of look at what it is. So, so one punch man was such a, a breath of fresh air. And after watching yeah, the first season, yeah. I was like, oh man, yeah, they're going to come out with that next season in no time. And like you said, four friggin' years. Four years. Ago, yeah. And I still haven't seen it. And I remember when it came out, my buddy, John, messaged me he's like dude one punch man season two is finally out um and uh and so i don't know if he's watched it i haven't seen it but it's it's totally worth checking out it's available Absolutely. to stream on a lot of on a lot of you know a lot of services out there yeah. and yeah i mean saitama is such like an unassuming hero um he really genuinely is only a hero because he's bored he's like i don't know what else to do like <laughs> i i literally just don't know what else to do with myself right. um and uh uh, one of my friends, uh, Brendan, was like getting really into you know, like working out and stuff like that. He's always kind of been like fit and in into that kind of stuff. Uh, and just for the hell of it, when, when One Punch Man came out, he's like, you know what, I'm going to try the One Punch Man workout. And so he tried it. He told me he tried it for like a week or two or something. And he's like, that workout is absolute shit. <laughs> like, he's like, it's awful. He's like, it's not balanced. It's ridiculously difficult to get through. It does not work all of your muscle groups. It works like a lot of the same muscle groups over and over again. He's like, it's it's totally shit. <laughs> but it's just really funny. I was like, wow, you actually gave it a try? He's like, yeah, I don't know. I was like- Did you they- try
2: punching someone right after though?
3: Right. And it took, it took two punches. I want my money back. Oh, man. But yeah, uh, good stuff. And I—I went to try to say. punch
1: out a grizzly bear, and I died.
3: <laughs> oh <my laughs> I had God. no continues either. Like I just died for real. I stuff. really should
1: have oh. tried it out on something easier first. Fuck.
3: Yeah, I know. Like,
1: I, I also—I just wanna
2: i, I just want to add. Uh, I just love the pairing of uh, Setima and Genos because mm-hmm. Setima is like, no, he's he's super powerful, and like nobody can beat him. Like, he's super fast. He's super strong, and everything. And Genos is like, no, he's just a cyborg. And he wants to be strong like like Sanima. But the funny thing is, he never does. He can never achieve it, even though he's a cyborg. Right.
0: Like, like every episode,
2: be every episode, he looks different because he's always getting some type of upgrade yep. to become stronger. So, But also in every episode, when he's fighting whatever villain Sam is fighting, or ends up fighting, Genos gets, like, wrecked. Like, missing yep. uh, limbs and whatnot. It's like half a body's gone and, and then he just gets repaired with a whole new body. And then he still gets his ass kicked.
3: <laughs> it's just yep. Yep. Fun. No matter what you do, you just cannot, you cannot touch that power. Yeah. And, uh, they did come out with a, a game. There's one punch man, a hero. Nobody knows, which is a fighting, uh, RPG game, uh, developed by spike Chunsoft for PS4, uh, PC and Xbox. And, uh, I don't know. I think it's kind of, uh, I would say a little rare that as a popular manga and anime, it only has a single video game compared to looking at Naruto and Dragon Ball Z and like My Hero and so many of these other anime that have like 10 games. And it's like they made one One Punch Man game. Um, Right. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I haven't played it, but it's out there. Right. Uh, Definitely, definitely give it a shot. Like if you've looked at it and thought it seemed stupid, give it a spin. Yeah, give yeah, it us it's big. a good time. Yeah. Yeah,
2: and also, you know, if you if you like one punch man, you can just look up on YouTube. There's like a lot of fan fan-made animations of of Sanima fighting Superman or right. all or these Ryan, guys Rebel yeah, right. Hulk or or Goku. Just like random yep. random uh, known heroes that are like super mm-hmm. strong and it's just it's just really cool watching Saitama fighting other franchises and see how well yeah it's neat it's that. neat that it's he entered the-, the
0: conversation
1: basically,
0: mm-hmm. and he's considered right i he
3: became people yep he became just like goku where it's like oh we want to match him up against every you know every person and then you, you know all these amazing animators and people out there just like have a blast turning him into all these like imaginary battles and stuff like that right um super cool right, awesome yeah. awesome good stuff thank you Thank you, Nintendo. Yeah. Uh, we are gonna we're gonna scoot right along over here to Mr. Parasite Steve and his choice. Yeah.
1: So I have never actually seen um, One Punch Man. So like you're talking to me basically. You're saying, "Uh, give it a chance because it looks stupid." And I always just thought it looked stupid. Uh, <laughs> and I have never seen it. And I. Would like to see it. You're right. I didn't realize it was a spoof. Pretty much everything you were just saying. It's like, right. Yeah. If you you
0: have Hulu, both
1: seasons are on there. Yep. Definitely. Yeah, very very cool. I uh I will definitely have to do that. That sounds fun. I would like to do that. But my choice is an obvious one because this is definitely my favorite superhero parody character of all time. I think it is I I think it is basically at the top of the mountain and the king of the mm. in my mind. Uh and we certainly couldn't have an episode on parody superheroes and not talk about the tick. The tick. Oh, hell yeah. Yes. The tick
3: is just fucking Amazing. Oh God yeah. tier. So
1: the tick has been around for a bit. He was actually created in 1986 by cartoonist Ben Edland, who is a local boy for us. He's actually from Pembroke, Massachusetts, believe it or not. Um, and he uh, created the tick originally just as a newsletter mascot for the New England comics chain of Boston area comic book stores. Um, he just worked there like it's just insane uh eventually he kept going with it uh two years later he put out his own comic and the tick comic started to be published and he was uh he flushed out a world for this crazy guy to inhabit the tick is uh i think everybody knows him i don't think he needs too much of an introduction but he's a big blue bug of justice he's just a big dopey humongous man with a big humongous chin and uh he has two little antenna on the top of his head which emote um with his moods and um other than that there's really just not much to him he's just solid light blue and with no details whatsoever no trim no gloves no boots he's just in a like a onesie and it it did become a joke at least in the uh in the show that he isn't wearing a suit It's like, oh yeah. It's like, well, what? Why don't you ever take that off? Do you ever clean the suit? And he's like, "What do you mean? Like he just doesn't understand." He's (laughs) he's very, very suit. Yeah, he's like, "I'm just the. I'm not wearing a suit. I'm just the tick." It's like, "Oh my god, is he naked? Is this? Is he a Ken doll? (laughs) What is he?" Right. Um, And uh, so, yeah, you never, you never see him without his mask or a suit you never you know he doesn't have a secret identity he's just the tick and as far as superpowers go he's just super strong and he's nigh invulnerable which means that he's pretty hard to kill um so uh beyond all that he's the comics the stories he himself uh is incredibly funny ben edland is hilarious uh he did draw and write the comics and uh, it was like, you know, he had all the rights. It was his baby. And um, I think most of us were introduced to the character. In 1994, when Fox Kids, um, before it was Fox Kids, it was just, I think, just Fox. Uh, Saturday mornings, they, there was a cartoon. And it lasted for three seasons. Um, absolutely the funniest damn thing I had ever seen. Like I mean, like the drawings were so good and so different and unique, and later I learned, oh, well, that's because the animators were emulating the drawing style of Ben Edlin's comics, which is so awesome. I mean, think about Ninja Turtles. think about how that property so is different bought and sold and packaged and turned into something totally different and you know more palatable for kids. Well, well, the tick was for kids, um, and the comics were a little bit more adult. Uh, But as far as the drawings, they looked exactly like Ben Edlin drew them. And um, uh, the bummer was basically nothing could, nothing was pulled into the cartoon from the comics other than the tick himself and his sidekick, Arthur, who is uh, a former accountant who now wears a moth costume that he just found. And, um, and he has a, he has like these two antennas that kind of look like bunny ears. A lot of people just assume he's a bunny guy, and, uh, right. <laughs> and he always has to correct them. He's like, "No, it's a moth suit." He's like, "It it makes more sense when I ha- when I put on the wings, and it, like, <laughs> it, it it comes with wings that just fold out of his backpack, and um, it's it's just honestly like." it's just the funniest thing ever and uh to talk about it's fine but you really just got to experience it so if you haven't seen the tick cartoon i you know i never got to read the comics um so the tick cartoon is really my favorite um although there have been other adaptations as well um but that cartoon is just so incredible and i watched i've watched every episode so many times over the years um just absolutely awesome as far as the voice cast uh uh townsend coleman who was michelangelo on the ninja turtles cartoon show voiced the tick and he couldn't sound any less like michelangelo it's impossible you know we we had no idea at the time that it was the same guy um and he's just absolutely hilarious as this just kind of stock superhero kind of what became like the basic like if you're going to have A superhero in a cartoon like the ones we're going to talk about in the second half they're just gonna kind of talk like this and be kind Mm -hmm. of operatic and you know he's kind of like that only he's real dumb he's like really really dumb and he's really (laughs) deluded he's really he just doesn't understand so much and It sort of makes you wonder. It's like, well, why doesn't he know anything about the real world? You know, is he insane or is he an alien or like, what is this guy's deal? Was he grown in a lab and was he literally born yesterday? Because like, but they don't tell you. They just never, ever tell you. And the funny thing is the way the stories are structured, they don't make you wonder either. They never, it's never like, oh, gee, what's the tick really? It's like, no, though. No, it's not that serious. You you never are going to ask that question. You just accept it and move on. Like in the first episode, you're like, oh, uh, uh, I'm just the tick. And it's like, oh, okay. Uh, all right, then. And that's right, the- move it on. <laughs> move it <Yeah>. on. <laughs> you just accept the stories. So, like I said, very little was, was able to be pulled in from the comic because the The Fox execs deemed that uh, the characters were too violent and inappropriate. There's this character, Paul, the samurai who actually spun off and had his own comic spinoff. And then there was this uh, character, Jane Chainsaw Vigilante. And they were all just like too dark, too adult. They're like, we don't know about that. So they're like, "Okay, Ben, um, come up, come up with all new characters to fill out this world. And boy did he? He came up with so many characters. So many are parodies of actual superheroes um, that you would know, and you can tell. They're very thinly veiled on purpose. And a lot of them are just puns. And then certain ones are just like, oh my god, where did he come up with this? My favorite was the uh, the human bullet. And his deal was he had this giant cannon in his yard. And the human bullet wore a gray suit, and he had a, a helmet that looked like a bullet. And he would call to his son, whose actual character name was Fire Me Boy, and uh, and the human bullet would say Fire Me Boy, and the kid would like come running from would drop whatever he was doing instantly, and then the human bullet would basically do what the cow did in Earthworm Jim, right? He would, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. in the very first episode, which is the Tick versus the Idea Man. Uh he, you know, there's a bunch of superheroes that get called to action when the city, which is called the city, is uh is under attack by the idea men. Um a bunch of them like, you know, mount up and get ready to, you know, fight justice. This looks like a job for, you know, kind of thing. And so we see the human bullet and he just you know slides into this giant cannon in his yard and he says fire me boy and the kid runs and he pulls a trick he pulls this like rip cord and he kaboom and he blasts off and then that's the last you see of the human bullet until the very 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 last second of the episode when everything's done and the idea men have been defeated by the tick and everything's all done and uh then suddenly the uh the human bullet reappears he rams into the side of the dam there's like a big dam and he just he he just like hits it and then falls and goes ow and then that's it. There's nothing. <laughs> it's like the most anticlimactic. Right, this <laughs> whole like, big ow. production. It just bangs his head. So it's just the funniest thing because it's like what is this guy expecting himself to do? Everything's just getting there, but even then that's problematic. So like what does he does he have a a plan for what happens when he does get there like successfully? I don't know. Anyway, he just cracked me up. But there's lots of like, oh, that guy's a that guy's the Punisher. That guy's Captain America. That guy's a, you know, Spider-Man. That guy's you know, Iron Man. That you know, all different characters like that. You can very see very cl- easily see. But I mean, and they, they they don't just poke fun at one company over the other too. There's like, you know, Superman parody and a Batman parody and all, all these different ones. So, anyway, Ben Edlin came up with the characters of Deflator Mouse um and <clears throat> Um, it was the Defl- the Flater Mouse and American Maid. So you really yep. feel like okay, this is like Batman and Wonder Woman, basically. But American Maid was also half Wonder Woman, half Captain America. Um, and those were like the the, the heroes that you kind of saw the most. Deflater Mouse, uh, is a uh, is just a big coward. He just he shows up and he looks cool, or, and he really thinks he looks cool. He's voiced by Cam Clark was leonardo on the ninja turtle show and he's just so full of himself he's like oh my god i am so cool and then like you know the thing you know whatever it is the smallest thing will happen and he has to do anything he's like oh uh, i just remembered i left the light on you know and he's got to go home Mm -hmm. um you know just very funny um and there really isn't much as far as like three-dimensional development other than arthur arthur does does definitely become more sure of himself and um, a bit of a, a bit of a hero in his own right, you know, cause he's just a lame guy who got bored with being an accountant and found a moth suit. So he's got no superpowers whatsoever. Um, but anyway, so uh, three seasons, one of the best funniest cartoon shows of all time, in my opinion. Uh, mm-hmm. Just want to also briefly mention that there were two live action adaptations of the tick. First one came out in 2001 starring patrick warburton as the tick and i think you know what he did a pretty damn good job completely different take on the character but i, I yeah i, think I like the show, that
3: version too
1: yeah i think the show was okay but i think the patrick warburton was pretty damn perfect mm-hmm. um the suit looked really good it was the wrong color it was really like a dark royal blue and and he's really supposed to be like a light pale blue and uh it just it just it was a bit off but you know he had the the antenna and they were great and they emoted and it was really cool and as far as i know they were practical they were just simple he had like a a button in his hand and he could kind of control them and move them around and do stuff with them um and uh just kind of fun um that show had eerily, like, I remember when that came out, we're like, okay, these characters are like eerily similar to the side characters once. Cause, cause once again, you had the tick and you had Arthur and that was about it. All the other characters were new. And the reason for that is because Ben Edlin, when he created all those billions of characters for the Fox uh, kids show, he actually neglected to copyright them himself. He was working for Saban. So actually Saban to this day owns all those characters like deflater mouse and captain liberty and Chairface wow. chippendale and there's so many villains that were just like in one episode uh very few recurring villains i mean i think oh. Chairface chippendale was like made out to be the main villain of the show but he he was he mainly only had one real episode he was voiced by t- the great tony jay um and he oh. he was uh really a funny 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 character He was the one who who scarred the moon. He was trying to write his name on the face of the moon, and it said C-H-A, and then they foiled his plan, but the the moon pervasively had the C-H-A for the rest of the show. Cha. Cha (laughs) just said Every time
3: you saw it in the background. Oh, my
1: God. So funny. But all those characters were the property of Saban, so he wasn't able to use them again. So so now, it was still on Fox, but now the new production company was like, uh, so it was Columbia TriStar, and they're like, um, yeah, so we like the, the cartoon show. We think people know the cartoon show. So can you like knock off all of your own characters and do thinly veiled versions of your own characters? Yeah. And so that's what he did. So uh instead of Deflator Mouse, he had another Batman ripoff, and his name was Batmanuel. Yeah, yeah, uh, Batman Well. Batmanuel oh, and uh very much the same character, same, you know, different look, but um same sort of a, you know, pompous, full of himself, cool guy who was actually a, a total pansy. And, uh, and then there was captain Liberty who was, who was the analog of, um, American made. And, um, yeah, it was, it was an okay show. I, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. I remember watching it with Dr. Matteo. Uh, I, I own it on DVD randomly. I think somebody gave it to me as a gift, um, but fun. And then in, uh, I think it was, I think it came out in 2018, on Amazon, there was the latest version of the show, and it starred Peter Serafinowitz as the tick, and he is the super tall guy with a really deep voice from like you know, the sh- like Sean of the Dead in the beginning of Sean of the Dead, he's like Sean's roommate in the shower. Oh,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And uh he's you know, he's he's like shows up in so many things just randomly. It's like you know, he was in um Guardians of the Galaxy. He's the one who said the line about them being a holes. And yeah, um, what a bunch
0: of a bunch of
1: a holes. (laughs) And like, I don't know. He's just in a bunch of stuff. He's really tall. He's six. He's six four. Um, I looked it up. He's six four. Warburton is six three. So they're both pretty tall. But um, yeah, I mean, so my opinion of this show is is weird. It took a little bit to grow on me, and it was definitely not like what I thought I wanted. And it it ended up being something that I loved. And I think that p- not enough people watched that tick. The first tick live action was really missable. It's really okay. It's okay if you don't see it, whatever. Patrick Warburton is super charming, but um, it wasn't the greatest. But this was like, you know, not the greatest either, but it was pretty darn good. And yeah, like, like
3: clo- closer, you know. To what yeah, Seraphino
1: yeah. isn't the best at doing an American accent, in my opinion. He's okay at it. So that was a, a little bit, I was iffy on that for a while. But when you got into the rhythm of the story, the way that they were telling the story, it was sort of a hybrid of um, this is a little bit more serious than I thought it would be. And also there is the zany humor. So the first like the pilot episode, which I believe is like, you know, it's longer. If it's not an hour, then it's an hour and a half or whatever it is, Uh, because I think it was a half hour show. So maybe it's just an hour, whatever the pilot is. But um, or maybe it's just a half hour. I can't really remember. I thought it was longer, but it is even a little bit different than the rest of the show is. And I've never read anything to corroborate this. But by the end of the pilot, what I thought the show was going to do, it didn't end up doing. And I sort of wished that it did, which is to say I really thought they were going to say the tick is not real. The tick is 100% a figment of Arthur's imagination and Arthur is crazy. Arthur has cracked and he, cause everybody Ooh. in all versions think that Arthur's insane because mm-hmm. why would you leave a good job being an accountant to go be a superhero? They make no money and yep. it's a dangerous line of work. And what are you thinking? You're throwing your life away.
3: And it's not and, like Arthur is super equipped to
1: right. He's, Quite yeah, crime. he's, he's not in good shape. He's not uh, a physical specimen. He's short. He's, you know, so it's like, it's just this funny thing where the, everybody always thinks that Arthur's crazy anyway. So in this one, I was like, wow, I bet Arthur's actually crazy in this. And, and I, I was looking, I was thinking back and I'm like, wow, you know, I don't think the tick interacts with anybody else other than Arthur in that, huh. in that pilot. I'm pretty sure he does not talk to anyone. And I don't think anybody knows that he exists. He's just somebody that Arthur keeps seeing. Yeah. And, um, and he's going on these adventures. And of course he's like, you know, the tick is all for it. He's like, Oh chum, come on, let's go fight crime and do justice. And you know, all this stuff. And, and Arthur is, you know, fighting it technically. He's like, Oh, I don't want to go in there. And, but the ticks like, Oh, you can do it. I believe in you. I'm like, the ticks not real. It's just Arthur. You know, it's Arthur's psyche, you know, just created this persona. And um, I sort of adore that. And I know it's really way too different for the tick. But, man, did I like that at the time. But the show ended up not going that direction. And it did sort of feel different after the pilot. I I know that the pilot was filmed way earlier than the rest of the show. Like, Amazon was doing a lot of pilots that did not get picked up. I mean, I think that's true of every network ever, but they were like filming a ton of pilots and I think it was like a year or two later before it became a show. So I don't know. I think maybe they kind of rethought things, but I still believe to this day, if you watch that, the pilot episode and you think that way, you're like, nope, there is no tick. Right. It's just Arthur being crazy. I think it, I honestly think it works. I think it's really perfect. But the show ended up being like surprisingly great. Um, there was one character. I don't know how he got. He was able to do it. That was he was able to pull in, and that is this uh, super villain that was a super villain in the '60s, supposedly that menaced the world back in the '60s, and that was the Terror. And the Terror was in um, an episode of the cartoon as well. And uh, in this, he was played by um, Jackie Earl Haley, the guy who was Rorschach in the Watchmen movie.
0: Okay. Um, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm.
1: the bad Freddy Krueger, um, and he uh became a the main recurring villain of season one. Uh, he was in a ton of episodes, and uh, it was it was pretty cool. He was he, he was a good he was a good villain. I I enjoyed the terror. In season two, they brought in this uh this character that I just absolutely loved the practical suit for. There's so much practical stuff in this. The suits, so the tick suit changes dramatically twice. It's one way in the in the pilot and after the pilot it changes and every time it changes, Arthur notices it. And he's like, oh you, you changed your suit and it takes like, what do you mean? You know, it's like Right. I've always been this way. You know, so right. it's kind of funny. But the first the first suit was was that sky blue and it's like, okay, I admit this is the correct color but it's a little too light for real life. It doesn't look that good. And also that first first suit he had was they tried to make it like segmented like it was more like an insect suit and it just didn't really work. It really didn't mm. look very good at all. I think he looks terrible in the pilot. But for the rest of season 1, it looks pretty good. I think they darkened him up just a hair. He's never the royal blue that Patrick Warburton was. And in the honestly, in season 2 his suit is amazing it's it's the best live action suit period in my opinion um interestingly enough they never want to cover up the actor's eyes like he's supposed to have white eyes like as if he's wearing like a batman sort of a mask you know where you're only seeing his mouth area but in the show for some reason they always make the mask go up and around his eyes because i heard like they didn't want to limit the emotion or whatever and it's like oh what a bummer i'd love to see him with a the Batman mask, the half Batman, but yeah. Oh, well we got four suits between two live action ticks and none of them, none of them had the Batman eyes, but that's okay. Um, so anyway, there's this character I'll end on this called lobstercules and it's just a lobster man. And <laughs> like, they, just like with the tick, they don't explain it. They don't explain any of it. It's just like, Oh, it's a, it's, I don't know. It's a lobster man. Move on. Um, and Lobstercules is like the main villain for that season. And, uh, honestly, it ends with a, with a really fun twist. And, um, I don't want to spoil it, but like, I loved Lobstercules. (laughs) If you look up the tick lobster, you will find Lobstercules and the suit is nuts. Awesome. It's so cool. (laughs) So anyway, I love the tick. I, uh, I don't have anything more to say. I'll end there, but, um. I'll say spoon, but (laughs) yeah, I feel like he's, he's the ultimate parody superhero and he's been around since 86. So it's not like, you know, he's definitely been around for a while.
3: Right, he didn't you didn't eat anybody else's lunch, you know. It's like nah. he was on the scene forever and is such just co- you know, comic gold mine yeah. and uh there's so many different ways to check him out, you know. I mean, there's been the all the original comics, the shows, you know, he he has games and stuff from like Super Nintendo era whatever. Um but yeah, I think it's really great that he's even been able to continue having iterations. I wish that they would be more successful. Yeah. Um but that original cartoon is so effing funny it's just like yeah. one of the God best is. best comedic cartoons ever made it really so freaking is, so is.
0: So. Yeah.
3: Um, yeah all right Guys, well, thank you very much. That wraps up the first half of this here episode on our parody superheroes. And we are now, right now, finding ourselves at the time where we octoponder things. So we're going to do that, okay? Okay, cool. cool, Awesome, good and stuff. So the octoponder this question for this week is, if you could create a parody superhero, who would they be and what are their powers or abilities or disposition. I don't care. What are they doing? (laughs) Um, So we're going to go on a short break. Um, So we'll be right back after these messages. Stay tuned.
1: Hey kids, it's time to check out the Dorkening Podcast Network.
3: With over 30 podcasts that encompass everything from horror to video games to comic books and so much more, you're bound to find the shows for your
1: taste. Whether it be Nerds But Usual Origin, that Strange Show, Retro Red octopus, Splash Paces, Throwdown Thursday, The Horror Squad, Still Token With. My God, man! I can't read all of these! So just feel free to play and experiment with the Door gaming Podcast Network. There are over 30 shows stocked full of dirty goodness to sink your ears into. And they're all available on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever fine podcasts are broadcast.
2: Shark Bites, Shark Bites Podcast, it's the greatest show in history.
1: From the Dorkening Network, hosted by a nerd who's named Patsy from movie reviews to tips on surviving the coronavirus
3: shark bites has it all follow us on facebook and suggest topics at sharkbitespod at gmail.com available on itunes stitcher spotify and wherever you get your favorite podcast do you like gaming you know this game would be better if it was a battle royale do you like technology I bet this tech would work better if it was a battle royale do you like movies tv shows and everything else that me and Nate can't agree on. The Last Jedi was easily the best Star Wars film I have ever seen. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Everybody in this room is stupid now because of you. Talking Gaming and Tech is a bi-weekly podcast where we cover the latest greatest in gaming and tech. Now part of the Dorkening Podcast Network. Talking Gaming and Tech is a podcast produced by Tech Prime Media. You can find us on YouTube and all other social media platforms. You can find Talking Gaming in Tech on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts from. This podcast is filmed live. If you want to check us out while we're filming live, remember to follow links on social media and your comment might be read right on
1: air. Uh, hi, everyone. This is Frank Toniff, TV's Frank from Mystery Science Theater, and also the Mads are
0: back. And you are listening to Retro Redoctopus.
1: Um, wow, that sounds dirty, but, uh, okay. The worst
0: we can find.
1: Hey, are you ready to do
3: some bacon? It's about that time where we ask you, the audience, to to ponder this. Alrighty, Welcome back aboard, everybody. Before we took that break, we asked you to ponder if you could create a parody superhero, who would they be? And what are their powers? Who is your daddy? And what does he do? Uh, That's what we want to know. So uh, I'll go first. Uh, I would would come up with the Garbage Guru. And Garbage Guru is the lord of all things trash and refuse. He can build constructs out of (laughs) trash. He can make large trash like, you know, homunculi and golems and whatever. Think of like the Green Lantern's power, but like you need just trash uh and he would help clean up the environment he'd be a friend to captain planet um but you know he doesn't exist exclusively in captain planet's world he'd have like crossovers and stuff um but uh yeah i don't know i that that's kind of it it's just like yeah. it'd just be funny if this guy's <laughs> whole deal was just garbage <laughs> um and and, and not a bad guy like you know not the 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 Rat King or like one of right. these guys who are like oh they're mucky and grimy and they're all gross yeah. it's like no he's just like he's essentially just like all about recycling
1: yeah <laughs> and it's <laughs> funny <laughs> like he he yeah. wants to like you know manipulate something he's like oh I I can't no one's throwing it away yet can right somebody throw right. that in the trash it's not trash yet <laughs> not garbage yet <laughs> put it in the bin and I can
3: manipulate it it's like that seems like a weirdly fine line there. No, I can't explain it. It's just how it works.
1: The trashomancer. Uh, what what'd you name yeah, him?
3: The garbage guru. Garbage but yeah, he guru. he definitely does uh, he he's an expert in trashomancy. Um, <laughs> oh, yes, for sure. Uh yeah, so Nintendo, what about you? You got one?
2: Okay, so I couldn't really think of one. But, I had a hard time. <laughs> but but so there's always a butt. But but this question does remind me of this really old sci-fi comedy called Laser Fart. And the synopsis is a man eats a burrito cooked in a malfunctioning microwave and then finds himself able to fart laser laser beams. He must decide whether or not to take on the responsibility that comes with having great power. <laughs> nice.
3: What the hell? Where'd you and, find
2: that? <laughs> I was really found it on YouTube like years ago and I just like remembered because it's question, like oh laser fart, the first thing that came to mind. And yep. um I remember seeing some of it and uh and I was like today years old like realized that Jack Black is actually in this. No kidding. Episodes. Yeah. He's oh, really? The, um, he's the elegant hunter is his character's name. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> so elegant Shh.
3: So, okay, damn. Uh, I am like intensely interested now. I mean, All right, uh, was,
2: like, Totally garbage, but it's okay. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's kind of funny. Well, that's
3: fine. I'm the garbage guru. I like garbage. <laughs> uh, I love trash. What were you?
1: So I'm going to go with this character that uh, I made up with uh, in college. It was a bunch of roommates, and we had a uh, squad of superheroes that we made up one night after watching the movie mystery men and we really enjoyed that movie a lot we'd all seen it before but it was like man this movie is better than anybody gives it credit for we just had so much fun watching it and then we wanted to make all stupid superhero versions of ourselves so um this is actually going to come up again in the retroid answers but yeah uh so i my character was captain bandana captain spelt with a k um and uh so captain bandana is like a I, I really love Doctor Doom overall, so I made him Dr. Doom color. So he's like got a gray bodysuit and uh he's got green accents all around. And he's got a green bandana mask. It kind of comes down over his eyes, and his eyes are green, and uh he has uh like long bandana tassels, like some sometimes they draw the ninja turtles with really long tassels, kind of mm-hmm. like that. And uh he gets his powers from his jade encrusted bandana. He can fly, <laughs> shoot <laughs> Can fly, shoot lasers out of the gem in his bandana, and also he can hold a sword.
3: <laughs> he Ooh. happens to be
1: Yeah. He uh he, he can hold it. I don't know if he uses it well, but he can hold it. He's a member he of holds it. He's a member of the 315 Pimps. And the Pimps is a uh, Pimps is an anagram, and I can't remember completely what it stands for, to be perfectly honest. I can't remember At- what the first friggin' P was. I don't remember. I don't remember what the first P an was. Acronym, it was like, you mean? Oh, an acronym. It's like, it's like the first P, and then it was instantly mobile pummeling squad. I just don't remember what the first P is.
3: Powerful. Yeah,
1: yeah maybe it's powerful. Pertinent. Powerful, punctual. Inst- punctual. <laughs> maybe. Instantly mobile is what they are for sure. And they're a pummeling squad. They, they <laughs> herd together and they pummel things. Uh so them. yeah. So that's that's my character, Captain Bandana.
3: Oh god, that is- awesome. That's wicked <laughs> fun. Oh man. All right. So yeah, from the Retroids crew, we have Josh Nealis saying that he already did this and he wrote a bunch of comics. Uh he's a comic book creator. And uh he has Pedoman and Kid Friendly. Uh I have a lot of uncomfortable feelings. Josh, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a, yeah. about that. I know I know but, I know it's funny but it's a little yikers dude.
3: Yeah, it's a little yikers guy, but uh you know, you do you. I ain't going to take anything away from you. Mm-hmm. Uh Andrew Wershborn uh answered the call as one of the 315 pimps. Uh he is the cynic and with his shades of cynicism I can see the world for what it truly is and comment on it. I'm a member of pimps, and my superpowers are enhanced perception, insight, and the ability to banter well with supervillains. My weapon of choice is trick yo-yos, but I never have the exact one I really need at any given time. But I'm able to improvise with the ones that I do have, and it somehow all works out. <laughs> oh fucking funny shit. Uh Adam letourneau yeah. says I'd be not so Superman who would have some lame version of Superman's powers. Instead of x-ray vision, he could have laser pointers come out of his eyes. Instead of super strength, he could quickly assemble pulley systems to lift somewhat heavy objects. Instead of super speed, he'd have advanced radar detectors in his car so he knew exactly when he could break the speed limit. And instead of flying, he could have huge he could have a huge supply of frequent flyer miles on JetBlue. Yes, <laughs> mm. he's not so super, but he's pretty super. He's kinda, um, he's super-ish. Uh, Raina Madison says she'd be the brown seagull pooping on evil from above. Oh yeah, <laughs> fucking funny as hell. Uh, <laughs> and Phil Conti says he'd be the exaggerator, but not with words. Like I'd reach out and flap my arms, and they'd get super long, and like I could fly, but not good. Or like to <laughs> loogie, But whoever I hit with it would be like getting a drink from the fire hose.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> so good. The
3: Exaggerator.
1: <laughs> I really nice. like, like that. The Exaggerator. I mean, they're all such good answers. But the yeah. Exaggerator is like, I feel like that is a legitimate name. Yeah. Like for a stretchy guy. Yes, it is. Like,
3: yeah, no. It's it's so great, good. honestly. That's super funny. Yeah. Um. So thank you, guys. Uh, I did yeah. not. We did not employ the tactic of the at everyone comic uh please let us know if you hate that Uh, if you don't hate that then we will start doing it again and we will probably get more answers because facebook is a really busy place and we totally get it but we super appreciate those of you who did answer the call to yes this week (laughs) and in the spirit of the call of justice, we have the second half of this episode where we are going to talk to you about some of the small timers, some of those in-world parody superheroes that our cartoon favorites might be fans of and yes. uh, and such. So we each have two picks. These will be a bit shorter, and uh, we'll just do roundtable style. So I'll start us off, and we'll do twice around the block. Nice. Uh, so I'm going to start things off with... Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. Uh the fici- fictional duo <laughs> Mermaid of superheroes. Man
0: away! <laughs> Evil! Evil! Uh,
3: they are a fictional duo of superheroes featured in Spongebob SquarePants starting in episode six of season one. Uh the two are a clear spoof of heroes such as Batman and Robin, and especially Aquaman. Ernest Borgnine was the voice of M- of Mermaid Man, and Tim Conway voiced uh Barnacle Boy, both of which are stars from McHale's Navy. Uh, later on in season nine, uh, a young Adam West would be, uh, sorry, Adam West would voice a young mermaid man, which is really cool um the duo now are both elderly semi-retired superheroes that live in shady shoals retirement home uh (laughs) but the duo are among the only humans that are able to live and breathe in bikini bottom but they are very real heroes and they have had a hugely successful career it is not just a comic or a you know a TV show that they watched. It's like, they were real heroes really helping out. And they just happened to have movies and shows and comics and all this stuff written about them. Um, SpongeBob and Patrick are big fans of their TV show from when they were they were much younger in their pr- in their prime. The Adventures of Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. Um, they also had a long running comic book series, trading cards, and kids' meals at the Krusty Krab. Uh, Mermaid Man is an elderly human with light. T- so these these are actually like. These are more, like, design descriptions that I could find, so they're a little bit, like, exacting. Uh, But Mermaid Man is an elderly human with light tan skin, white hair, and dark gray eyebrows. He wears an orange top with a lavender seashell bra, deep green gloves and leggings, a black speedo with teal scales, a light yellow utility belt with a yellowish-orange M-shaped buckle, and a dark lavender starfish right on his nose, and uh, pink slippers. (laughs) <laughs> uh, mermaid man uh, at this point in his old age suffers from memory loss and always shouts "evil, evil" whenever he <laughs> hears the word evil it just like triggers him uh according to mermaid man his powers all come from his costume uh he is his abilities include summoning and controlling sea creatures high speed swimming which was used to create the raging whirlpool uh, he can make water balls, which is really funny because they show him do it, and he like will throw a ball of water at someone, and it just sort of like dissipates because they're already underwater. Um, <clears throat> super strength and the ability to survive underwater. Uh, that ability, actually, the purple star, uh, purple shaped starfish over his nose, was given to Mermaid Man by a mermaid, and it is the only way that he is able to breathe underwater.
1: Uh, ah, didn't know that.
3: Interesting, although Barnacle Boy does not have one and can also breathe underwater, so I have no idea.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he's breathing vicariously.
3: (laughs) Right, like the fuck? But Barnacle Boy is a tall, thin, bald man, has a round head and a very large nose, puffy ears, wears a sailor hat, black mask, and a turquoise neckerchief. As an older man, he kind of resembles Squidward. He just has a big droopy nose. Yeah, totally. Uh, He also wears dark blue rubber gloves, boots, a red t-shirt, and rubber black shorts. Barnacle Boy still has his wits about him as an old man and acts as the irritable compass to guide Mermaid Man through their daily activities. Uh, Barnacle Boy possesses powers similar to Mermaid Man, though he lacks any of the utility belt powers. Barnacle Boy also has the unique ability of sulfur vision, which is a form of heat vision which Mermaid Man has never been shown to have. Like Mermaid Man, his powers don't work very well as an old man, mostly due to being old and retired um the episode mermaid man begins reveals that through a series of meticulous and intricate events he and his friend were suddenly equipped with aquatically themed superpowers when they left the microwave on too long, which caused it to become radioactive and irradiate a bag of popcorn that they were heating up, which they then ate and the radioactive popcorn gave them their superpowers. It's literally <laughs> not different from laser fart. I can't believe that that you just mentioned that. Cause I'm like, what a fucking dumb origin story. Like, oh, you put the microwave on for 20 minutes instead of two it's now made our popcorn radioactive, radioactive. but it's just a burrito in <laughs> a uh, laser part. so wicked funny uh, mermaid man and barnacle boy have several super villains, uh, associated with them their two most notable foes are man ray and the dirty bubble uh other villains include the atomic flounder who is now retired the sinister slug the jumbo shrimp kelp thing and the moth, a humanoid moth who steals light, as seen in the episode Nightlight. Uh, Mermaid Man claims to have been trying to catch the moth for 57 years due to his very, very small size. Uh, These two characters were, like, one of the first things that came to my mind when when this episode uh, idea came about. Mm -hmm. And there's just something so, like, endearing about them being just old farts now. And they try their best and spongebob and patrick are always super like enthusiastically going on adventures to try and help them out and the two of them just really can't do much of anything anymore but they're such super duper super fans that they're just like completely psyched beyond like out of their skins to be able to be hanging out with mermaid man and barnacle boy uh even though they're honestly just kind of like crunchy old guys and would rather just be left alone uh, but yeah, Man Ray I know is uh, the the main villains that I saw were Man Ray and the Dirty Bubble, and the the way that they kind of depict Man Ray is kind of like a spoof of Black Manta, but you know his head just kind of looks like a guy wearing a a manta ray like mask with a yeah. of, like a face on it. Um, looks great. <laughs> dirty Bubble is literally just like a big brown bubble that has like a like, you know straggly <laughs> <laughs> mouth. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Dirty Bubble. <laughs> man man but uh really just you know think these characters were a great addition to the show and and felt so fun because they were so clearly you know going for that like Adam West Batman and Robin era of of superheroes and for that to be the superheroes that this kids show channeled was super cool it was very not what you would you know think obviously SpongeBob is such a goofy show, but to try and make superheroes that are like fun and funny and appealing to kids it's like oh they went for so much of an older generation because that's probably what the creators you know were really into. Um, right. so I love that. And, uh, and I think these two are great and they have a ton of episodes throughout the the seasons. I mean, I really only saw the first, I think five or six seasons of SpongeBob and there's just been so many, uh, but the two characters actually were both retired from the show permanently after Ernest Borgnine passed away in 2012 and, uh, Tim Conway, the voice actor for Barnacle Boy passed away in 2019. So they just kind of like respectfully retired the characters, but they still put references to both of them in the background of episodes like all the time so they'll oh, be like cool. framed photos of them or like a comic on the table or whatever so like they never took them out of the world they just aren't actively in the show anymore in the show, yeah yeah that's cool. um which I think is great it's a it's a super great you know kind of heartwarming tribute to those characters and um yeah they're they're a great time if you if you've ever watched spongebob you know who these guys are um but uh yeah uh, i don't know that's it it's just just nice. really fun. Nice. Really yeah. fun. Um yeah, so we will hand it off to Nintendo. Yes.
2: Yes. So uh this one's a an obvious one for me. Uh that'll be the
3: ambiguously gay duo.
2: Uh, which see was... I don't
3: know this duo. Like you guys oh, I so explain, uh, it. You explain to, it. You have to
2: you have it's on YouTube. The 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 clips are like legit like three minutes long. They're not yeah. super long at all. <laughs> the um,
1: ambiguously gay duo. <laughs>
2: Uh, so it was a animated sketch, comedy sketch that debuted on the Dana Carvey show before moving on to Saturday Night Live. Um, it was created by created and produced by Robert Smiggle and JJ sendo or oh, I can't pronounce his last name. Uh, as part of the Saturday TV Funhouse series of sketches. Yeah, Saturday right. TV fun house, Funhouse. Saturday TV, TV Funhouse. Fun Give me back my show. Yeah. Of
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, uh, it follows the adventures of Ace and Gary, voiced by Stephen Colbert and Steve Carell. Oh my God, I
1: did not know that. <laughs> I did not know that until today. So that is pretty cool. Uh, oh my the, God. That two, is, uh, that is unreal. Yeah. I didn't, I never knew that Stephen yeah. Colbert and Steve Carell. Oh my God. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, <laughs> two superheroes whose
2: sexual orientation is a matter of disputes and a cabalade <laughs> of <laughs> characters preoccupied with the question. So the whole point of, of this cartoon was just, uh as a, a parody of the stereotypical comic book superhero duo done in the style of Saturday morning cartoons, like super friends. Uh, Mm -hmm. The characters are clad in matching pastel turquoise tights, dark blue domino mask and bright yellow coordinated gauntlets, boots and trunks. Yes. (laughs) The the shorts were intended to satirize suggestions that early Batman comics implied a homosexual relationship between,
0: between himself
2: right. and Robin. Right,
0: yeah. right, right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
2: the typical episode usually begins with the duo's arch nemesis, Big Head, a criminal mastermind with an with an abnormally large cranium. Big Head is usually briefing his henchmen on a plot for some grandoise, uh, some like huge freaking plan for world domination, interrupted by debates as to whether or not Ace and Gary are gay. Once the crime is in process, the police commissioner calls on the superheroes to save the day, often engaging in similar debates with the chief of police. Uh, Ace and Gary set out to foil the evil plan, but not before calling attention to themselves with outrageous antics and innuendo, uh, and behaving in ways perceived by other by other characters to be stereotypically homosexual, as in this conversation from the first episode. Ace patting Gary in the buttocks. Good job, friend of friends! And the villains bystanders gasps and stare at them. And Ace is like, what's everyone looking at? And everyone, everyone else is like, in unison, nothing. <laughs> 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 or in other incidents, uh, incidents uh, of similar fashion, Ace would then ask, now what are you looking at? And everyone else would be like, nothing. Uh, Similar gags appear in almost every episode. Episodes not following this general formula have featured Ace and Gary answering fan mail or offering child safety tips, which is (laughs) really Mm. (laughs) fucked up. This is why it's aired late at night. Um, Right. One such episode entails Ace and Gary giving children a ride home in their (laughs) duo car. Don't know what the duo car is. The duo car is legit a penis.
3: Yeah, it's, it's it looks exactly yeah. It's yep. a freaking penis. That's what it is. It's like the spaceship from Austin Powers.
2: Uh and they all while driving in this car, they're they're offering like home decorating tips all while <laughs> making very suggestive gestures and comments. <laughs> right. Um yeah, it's it's super funny. It's super funny. Like one one of my, my favorite uh, episodes. I think it's actually the maybe the first one. Um they're riding the, the the duo car and uh ace is is uh telling um Gary to you no know, shift or whatever and the way how the, the camera is angled is that like you see you see um ace you no know, he's driving and Gary's on the other side like you can't you can barely see Gary. Right. And you see he's like the way how his hand is it looks like he's like like grabbing uh for ace's penis and like shifting he's <laughs> like just kept going up and down, <laughs> and just try, trying to shift it it's just so fucked up. but
1: i think what like kept it super funny is that the characters are never actually doing anything inappropriate it's all about playing with like our perception, perception exactly, exactly exactly and it's like that we as the audience are so keyed in on it and like obsessed with them like are they or not, and like that whole thing—the yeah. way we are, like with with actual people, or were at the time back in the '90s or whatever, where right. some people would be like that, like like what do you care? Like what is it? Like what? But they never actually are doing anything inappropriate. It's just right. seeming right. like you could read it that way, and it, right. it's so well written. It's so one funny. of the things it's like they the one of the obvious things is that they
2: both have huge bulges. And that's like oh, no, yeah. that's no, no true. That's not work. their
1: fault. It's not their
2: fault. They just have big <laughs> you know? Um and one of the things too is that Ace can fly. I don't know why they need a duo card but ace can fly. Yeah. But um Gary when when Gary flies with Ace, well he's not really flying, he's like mounting Really, he's like he's mounting Ace while they're flying. And the way, the way, how he's positioned, he's like his butt is like but his crotch is right near the uh Ace's <laughs> ass, and he's like grabbing onto his, his breasts, oh,
0: man. His, his his man, his, his man,
2: man breasts, and everything. He's like touching the nipples and everything. So funny, so funny. <laughs>
3: man i've never seen this but this shit is super funny just like the clip on youtube i saw i was just fucking dying like it's really funny yeah there's a
2: there's a a whole playlist of uh there's only like 12 of them so it's not a lot and they're all like Mm -hmm. three minutes long so you spare like a half half hour lost to all of it in one sitting
3: yep nice awesome stuff thank you so much uh right parasite steve how about you saw
1: Okay, so I have, uh, for my first superhero within another TV show, I'm going to go with Really, Really Big Man from Rocco's Modern Life. Nice. Uh, yes. This is a great cartoon show that I think you know we're fans of here. And um, I, Really, Really Big Man is definitely not in this show as much as some other characters, uh, other shows that we're mentioning. Um, but, you know, he would show up from time to time. And uh, he also was it was that same case where he was like, just like Mermaid Man, Barnacle Boy. He was a real person who was basically like the celebrity of Rocco's modern life. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: he was also the star of of like superhero comics as well. It was like he was they were based on a real guy. He really was a superhero. But you never really saw him do too many. Like, I don't I don't think he had villains. I think I mean, he would show up and. And do stuff and just be funny and they would use them occasionally. But anyway, so really, really big man, or big man for short, or RRBM, is an extremely large, some would say really, really big, and strong uh insectoid superhero. He kinda he kinda has like these antenna on on the top. It looks like he's wearing a yellow, a yellow hard hat that has like little antennas, little bug antennas on him on it uh he's wearing a red and blue costume and he has a light purple mask um hilariously i did not remember this his his um secret identity is uh is named lois lame and it's (laughs) and he he's actually (laughs) cross-dressing as a woman and he's just like hello i'm lois lame and that's his secret identity I had no idea. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> uh, so he's basically an archetypal run-of-the-mill stereotype of any superhero, Superman-type superhero. Very virtuous and strong believer of justice. Kind of talks like we were saying, like with a ticker. You know, so many characters do. Um, and his powers are... Uh, so he he has incredible strength, but often like it gets out of his out of hand like he's he's stronger than he realizes a lot of the time um he can also fly he has magic chest hairs (laughs) Uh, and of course i think most people will remember if they remember anything about really really big man they remember this power which is of course the nipples of the future (laughs) <laughs> so he this character is very nipple oriented. <laughs> yeah. Um so you know, I mean, you know, Rocco's modern life wasn't quite as inappropriate as like Red and Stimpy, but like it was kind of close. Like it was like it, it had things in it that you were like is this okay? Like what is this? Right. It really was like kind of on the edge, not as much on the edge as Red and Stimpy, but, but oh my god, freaking nipples of the future. So in his normal costume, his nipples are on the suit as blue stars because he's wearing, he's like all red and he's got like blue stars for nipples. But then when he would use his nipples of the future, the freaking things would shoot out as if they were tentacles. There were these like thin tentacle pieces of like, because he's green skinned and, and they just are like, they're, they're flesh colored, they're green and they shoot out like these tentacles and when they're like that, instead of stars at the end, they have, like, purple, like, baby Such, nipples, like, yeah, rubber like, nipples at yep. the ends of them. And um, he shoots them out, and they jam into somebody's eyeballs, and they're forcibly like the most, shown yeah. to the future. And it's, like, it's not a pleasant experience. They're screaming.
3: No, they're no, they
1: not having a good time. And it is just... Like, one of the funniest, oh, weirdest fuck. things to ever be, like, on a kid show, I think, ever, Yeah, is the nipples of the future. And I, yeah. I'm sure that they thought, like, they're... They're fucking I, I insane. Feel like, I feel like they thought, like, we're probably not going to get away with this. Somebody's right. going to pull this, and nobody's going to approve this, but they just did. Yeah. And it happened in multiple episodes. And I even found a screen cap, because I couldn't find any videos of really, really big man. But I found... Uh, a screen cap and it shows him in the the nipples are just flailing like tentacles just out of control flailing and there's a caption on it and he's saying run for your lives the nipples are out of control <laughs> <laughs> holy shit oh my god um really really big man uh there's really not much more to say but he was a uh he was a part of that show that I I quite enjoyed very funny yeah
3: yeah 100 percent. i mean he was definitely right there you know when, when this episode's coming about it's like okay merman Mer- Mer- barnacle boy really really big man he needs to be in the conversation mm-hmm. i mean rocco worked at kind of a lot of comics like they had a whole thing yeah. with the comic shop and really really big man was just like the yeah the town superhero and uh, oh, great name
1: God. too really really fun. Yeah, like really yeah. really big man like, yeah, <laughs> what, what are we, yeah, super. Okay. What, what can we do? Like turbo, ultra, mega, like, you know, all the, all those words are taken. I don't know. Let's just say he's really, really big.
3: Right. <laughs> and I, I love his voice. He's like, hi, talk like this. I, I kind of have this high pitched nasally voice, but it's like, he's doing like a heroic Accent, but it's like his voice is still kind of kind like of up there. So it's
1: it's funny. Like I I wish I could have seen a clip of him because I I really tried, but I couldn't find any. I I was just kind of going by memory for how he sounded, but yeah,
3: yeah. There is a there is um. There's a clip on on YouTube just called "Big Man's Nipples of the Future." Oh, Rocco's okay. Modern Life, and it's on the official Nicktoons uh, YouTube page. Because not only did they say yes, this is okay, but then five years ago in 2018, they're like, "Let's focus on this for a second. <laughs> let's re- let's <laughs> re-upload this for you know posterity." So so ridiculous. What a crazy show. Always always my favorite example of a show that when you rewatch it as an adult, it is a very very different show. And uh, and and for for you know for the best because it's like holy shit, how did they get away with that stuff? Yeah. Oh man all right so i will go ahead and do my second pick here so this hero is known as the crimson chin from the show fairly odd parents the crimson chin is a comic book superhero who resides in the city of Cincinnati. Protecting okay. his fictional universe from a variety of different metal or body part-themed villains, the chin is voiced by Jay Leno of late-night comedy fame, who is known for having a large chin in real life. In case yeah, you okay. didn't know, uh, he makes his first appearance in the last episode of Oh Yeah! Cartoons, episode ten, called Super Humor, and then for real once Fairly Odd Parents became a full-fledged show in episode three, Chin Up. Ah, uh, the chin was originally a struggling late night talk show host called Chuck Indigo and gained his powers by being bitten on the chin by a radioactive celebrity <laughs> whose reasons for biting him are because he's indestructible and has good powers. i I don't understand what that logic is. Oh, um, do not it, know. It honestly, it honestly, sounds a little discombobulated. I don't, I don't know. Uh, since then, he's taken the responsibility of protecting the city of Cincinnati and taking the secret identity of Charles Hampton Indigo, C H N, or Chin for Charles yep. Indigo, uh, for the local newspaper, The Daily Blabbity. <laughs> <laughs> the Daily Blabity. Cr- the Crimson Chin wears a skin-tight crimson spandex outfit. He's extremely muscular and was turned into a comic world and ended up running out of metaphors by the end of the episode. Uh, His body is very powerful, and his pecs are also big. And he has a 8-pack powerful legs pronounced bubble butt and apparently supreme intelligence. Uh, Cleft, the boy-chin wonder, is the main (laughs) character of Fairly Odd Parents. Timmy Turner's alter ego and sidekick to the Crimson Chin a la Robin to Batman. His look is quite similar to that of Timmy with a few differences. He has a red-colored costume with a letter C emblem in addition to a yellow cape, gloves, boots, and a utility belt, though rarely used. He wears a utility cleft, which is a faux chin with various devices used to assist him he also wears a black mask and a red version of timmy's pink hat his identity was set up to identify his alter ego timmy turner more clearly some notable differences in costume design over the series are listed below uh but that uh, i wasn't going to get too much into that um one of the crimson Chims, it like he has all these kind of like idiosyncrasies you know all these characters these heroes they have like these things they say and do uh he would use odd metaphors like during his inspirational speeches so he'd say like as long as there is one smoldering ember on the barbecue of justice you can still cook a mighty steak a victory you know it's like he would like ramble on too long and then like Very-
1: have to- very you like know. the tick, he, he... wicked.
3: So, so this yeah. actually, this article was saying that this was most likely inspired by the tick, um, especially because his costume is so similar to the tick, uh, just being red. Um, Crimson Chin has also been known to just shout the names of superhero portraying actors as a form of exclamation. So he'd just be like Adam West or Frank Gorshin, like he just says like random actors' names. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and, and then, I mean, they're, they're actually, there's a shitload of Crimson Shin content across all of the Fairly Odd Parents. And honestly, I mean, I watched the show quite a bit, but I did not see anywhere near all of these, you know, characters and things, but, um, he had a, a whole bunch of different villains, including, I, I mostly remember this first one, but he had the bronze kneecap.
1: That's, that's the one I remember.
3: Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. had The, <laughs> the bronze, bronze kneecap, kneecap. <laughs> country boy. <laughs> <laughs> just like literally looks like a farmer guy, like just like a <laughs> like a guy from the south, like with overalls. It's country boy. Uh there's also gilded arches, h2 Olga, spatula woman, dogzilla, negachin, the golden gut, iron maiden, the titanium toenail, and last but not least, Uncle Cousin. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I would thought that was so fucking. Oh my-
3: <laughs> i <I'm> like what? <laughs> so <laughs> random. Oh man. But, Very yeah, funny. Crimson Chin is awesome. I mean, he's like a character that Timmy Turner is, you know, a huge fan of, reads the comics, watches the TV show, but then also like gets to live this alter ego life as his sidekick. And it's like, you know, the fairly odd parents can just make anything happen. They just grant his wish. Uh and in reality, they are his odd parents, fairly odd parents. So um it's kind of like a, a neat like crisscross of like he's a fan but he's also a participant and and uh it's it's a lot of fun butch Hartman uh for Failure odd parents obviously just was really like you know firing on all cylinders with this show and had a ton of fun just making up this side character it was like no no we're not just gonna put him in a couple episodes we gotta like have him in a lot like he, like he had a shitload of bad guys, like that's a whole lot of villains. And I'm sure no, he seriously had multiple more than once. Cause I remember the bronze kneecap <laughs> multiple times, um, let alone all those other ones that I don't really remember. Um, but yeah, uh, the crimson chin is great. Definitely an homage to the tick. No doubt about it. I mean, looking at him and, and the way that he would kind of pontificate bullshit, um, was sort of <laughs> funny. And uh, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, that, that's kind of all I got to say about it. He's, he's definitely one that uh, was like this, this era of, of Nicktoons and cartoons in the 90s and early 2000s and stuff. Uh, this was just a thing that creators wanted to do. They're like, let's make these goofy, spoofy heroes. And, and like, I don't know. I mean, I guess everyone got it out of their system because I couldn't think of a ton of contemporary examples of it. Uh, this, this era was like rife. With this concept, um, but it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Great show and uh, and great character. Nice. Uh, I actually want to say they might have made real comics of Crimson Chin later, um, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, they had a pretty pretty detailed Wikipedia, like Fairly Odd Parents wiki page. I was I was blown away. I'm like, wow, there's a shitload to this guy. Who knew? Um, but anyway, uh, that is the Crimson Chin. At least my piece of it. And uh and we will scoot right on over to Nintendo's second pick.
2: Yes. So my second and final pick is Powdered Toast.
0: Mama. Mama.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so he's an extremely dramatic and oblivious vigilante and spokesperson for Powdered Toast, the breakfast treat that tastes just like sawdust.
0: <laughs> <was>
2: yum. Yum. <laughs> Um. Oh, so uh, Powdered Toast Man uh, appeared in various powdered Toast commercials within the Ren, Ren and Stimpy show and starred in two episodes of the show. Powdered Toast Man versus Waffle Woman and Powdered Toast Man, which had a guest appearance by Frank Zappa as the Pope. Um, wow. <laughs> what I accidentally glossed over was uh, he was based on a Frank Zappa inspired character, which I didn't oh.
1: know. Oh, I had no huh. idea. Yeah.
2: Uh, let's see. Oddly, Powdered Toast doesn't taste right unless Powdered Toast Man farts on it before it is consumed. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys aren't familiar with Ren, the Ren Demi show, it's just gross. The whole show is just <laughs> yeah. gross. Everything's gross. Gross, yeah. gross, gross, gross. Yeah. Yes. It's all it is. <laughs> it it's gross. so
0: is. Oh, um, God.
2: He possesses traditional superpowers like flying in some non-traditional ones like super flatulence the ability to <laughs> the ability to scrape toast shavings from his head which he literally has two loaves of bread for a head yep and face in front <laughs> and what, what he'll do is he'll take the the back the uh, the back slice off which is toasted <laughs> and he'll just grab a knife and just scrape 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 <laughs> non-stop
1: just keep scraping. <laughs> Just the sound of it. It's like you know they really took a knife and scraped toast. It's <laughs> so like, funny. I can I can still hear it. Like, yeah. Oh my god. Uh,
2: uh, he, can, uh, he, can, uh,
1: he can fly
2: by launching himself from a toaster or dispensing a healthy amount of flatulence. <laughs> he can fly backwards or an anchor.
0: <laughs> 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 his, his catchphrase is
2: yeah, him flying backwards me. is
3: so funny oh my yeah, god so Sorry. Uh, was sorry what was his catchphrase
2: sorry. his catchphrase was leave everything to me okay uh, he also hides his true identity behind the guise of Pastor Toastman which is literally just him wearing that thing around his neck that the priest wear <laughs> or, the oh, or whatever <clears
0: all of it. throat>
1: um, oh I love Powder Toastman so much. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. He is the funniest.
2: His his call to action is the shouting of his name with significant stress on the man. Powder Toastman's voice was provided by late Gary Owens, who also voiced um Space uh, Ghost. Space Ghost, yes. That's right. <clears throat>
1: yeah, and it's funny because wow. like they, it was it was totally an homage to the way that he used to say Space Ghost. He would always say, Space Ghost! Ghost. Yeah. Yep. And right. it, was, it was Powdered Toast Man! Man! Yeah. yeah. It was the same exact thing.
2: Yeah. So great. So cool. Um. So his powers and abilities. Powdered Toast Man is endowed with various abilities, and like many superheroes, pay- Superheroes has a mysterious background in alter ego. Powdered Toastman can fly, well, which I just described earlier. Um his, uh, he is apparently made entirely of powdered toast. He can also produce fully formed powdered toast by flicking his wrist or by separating his head, which I mentioned earlier. Um, let's see what else is there. By the <laughs> powdered toastman is a pastor, is Pastor Toastman with a cool youth deacon. His disguise is completely is composed of a pair of thick black spectacles, the the earpieces of which are physically embedded in his head due to his lack of ears, and a pastor's collar, a possibly parody of Superman's thinly disguised alter ego Clark Kent, which is the the very first thing that I thought of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is so yeah. funny. Um,
1: Everybody makes fun of that. Uh,
2: Pastor Toastman's <clears throat> office also serves as his headquarters, and he is served by a lovely young female assistant named catholic high school girl that's her name
0: <laughs>
2: and it is and it is oh strongly suggested that the two have a romantic relationship
0: oh my god
2: so oh, yeah
3: powder that's toast that's what the fuck Does he, he also also- can bend over and like shoot pats of butter out from between his his head like he can, he can, he can separate do a
2: lot of things he can he can spit raisins at you
3: like which any kind
2: of considered, bread. Which I guess apparently it's considered kind of offensive or something. I don't,
1: uh,
2: I don't okay. understand, but I don't, know. I, don't yeah. know. I
1: I just I just love this character so much. I think he's so funny because like the thought of we're gonna make up this nonsensical product that makes ab- I mean it utterly makes no sense. It's powdered toast in the show is like a salt sh- like a sugar shaker, and they would shake out a piece of fully formed toast. <laughs> like if, it just was like sprinkles, like magical sprinkles like instant, would come out and then it would just be toast and it would be not just bread, but toasted bread. <laughs> and like, <clears throat> and that's, that's what powdered toast is. Okay. But now this is the superhero mascot of this insane product. that couldn't possibly make any sense if you tried. So, I just love the layers there of the the lunacy and oh my God, when he would fly, he would fly like stiff as a board with both arms, like straight, straight out his feet, straight, straight out. And he had this bubble, butt, and like, (laughs) and he would always fly like in weird positions. Like, I mean, that was his position, but he'd fly in weird directions. Like he'd be either backwards or upside down or upside down and backwards or diagonal. Like he would never be flying correctly. Like Superman, (laughs) like so he could actually see. Um, and I remember this one episode, what must have been one of his two that he starred in, and he like saves this this guy or something, and the guy goes onto his back because he needs to like fly with him. And just like with the ambiguously gay duo, like it's super inappropriate the way that they have him go onto him. And so he's like in the small of his back, but facing the opposite direction. So basically like facing his butt. And then Powdered Toastman <laughs> goes, Quick man, cling tenaciously to my buttockses. <laughs> and then the, the little guy goes, Both of them. <laughs> and he and he does. He like he grabs his like a a cheek in each hand, which is a, a good good handful each hand. And then the guy like buries his, face buries his very large nosed face <laughs> into his <laughs> ass crack. And it's just like, How is this on Nickelodeon? How is this allowed? I, I don't understand. It really like With Ren and Stimpy, it just absolutely felt like if your mom walks in, you're screwed. You're totally
3: fucked. It's a secret thing.
1: Like nobody's supposed to really know how gross this and weird this show is. And we like so loved it for that reason. I think the the people who did, I did definitely love this show. And um, I mean, they got like video games, and they were like kid characters. And it's like, have parents ever seen this show? It is really messed up. Yeah. Right. Is really really messed right. up so anyway oh man yeah. outer toast man I that, love that it. same it so episode funny.
2: one of my favorite scenes where he's flying and he sees a cat crossing the street and there's a big truck just flying and he's like trying to you know hit his brace the, the truck is just not stopping
0: mm-hmm. and the
2: catch is like like a, like a deer in headlights just like staring right at the, the truck he's like oh my god big eyes are forming it's like oh shit I'm gonna fucking die and uh part toastman is like oh i gotta save this kitten so he, but he doesn't know what to do so he he looks up and he sees an airplane and then he's like "Aha! huh i have an idea and then that's when he spits out raisins at this airplane causes the air it, it, he hits the airplane with the, with the raisins causes the plane to fall and hit the truck killing everyone except for the cat <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: oh my god <laughs> Terrible.
1: he is just not not a good superhero He's just um <clears> throat> throat> i just found a picture of him <laughs> i just found a picture of him like talking on his his phone gadget with which is just his tongue yes apparently he could like shoot out his tongue and make it humongous and it would have yeah. a speaker where his ear would be and a speaker where he'd talk into and he would just hold it and, and talk into his tongue phone I don't yes. even remember. Those. What oh, the hell? Yes. Like, yeah, so earlier on that,
2: that same episode, um, he, he would get a phone call through the toaster. So he would just stuff his head in the two slots and talk that way. But also, <laughs> that same toaster served another so purpose, funny. which would launch him <laughs> into, you know, to help make him fly or whatever. That's why he would fly backwards, which would make sense. get getting launched backwards. Yeah. But other times when he's, you know, flatulence, super flat, flatulence, it makes him fly in yeah. other weird directions, but still going mm-hmm. forward
1: sometimes. <clears throat> it's so freaking weird. It's so weird. He's also, <laughs> yeah, they did make him a playable character in the Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl, which is the, like, Super Smash Brothers Nicktoons. Uh, oh, wow.
3: Okay. And they are, yeah. they're coming out with a second one of those. So I don't know. I don't see if he's in that one or who else they add to it.
1: That's um, yeah, cool. He—he he looks He looks perfect. He looks great. I mean, the graphics in that game are very cute.
3: Yeah, yeah, no, they did a great job with that. Oh, that's awesome. Yep, Powdered Toast Man, absolutely legendary. Holy shit, there's just, like, that (laughs) stupid-ass humor that's so funny. It's just, like, it's perfect. And you're like, look, I can't really tell anybody about this and be like, yeah, this is, like, such a super (laughs) funny thing. It's like, I'm embarrassed that I laugh at this, but it's (laughs) so funny. (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. Gad! Ugh. All right, last but certainly not least, Parasite Steven, your second pick. Uh,
1: yes, sir. Okay, <clears throat> so I have a, uh, I have like one of one of the older ones. I think. Uh, this is, uh, you know, from a, a show we all know. Okay, this is not from the '90s. It's from the from the late '80s. Uh, we have Radioactive Man from The Simpsons. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I think he deserves. A mention, I think uh we have enough Simpsons fans out there. I'm sure Patsy would uh do a much better job with this than than I will, but I'm gonna do my <laughs> best, pal. I'm gonna do my best. Uh so in the world of uh the Simpsons, Radioactive Man is a comic book superhero who acquired his powers after surviving an atomic bomb explosion. His sidekick is Fallout Boy, and his catchphrase is up and at him. Fallout boy
3: is- got their name.
1: Yep, the band. Yeah, definitely. And um, and his catchphrase is spelled the the up and Adam. Adam is A T O M, um, which Bart uh loves. He's like he. It's a delicious pun to Bart. That's what he says in the episode. Um, <laughs> he's he's a member uh, of an Avengers-like team called the Superior Squad. Um, so within the show, uh, the in-show continuity, radioactive man's comic book debut was alleged allegedly in the fictional. Interesting Stories number seven, supposedly released in 1952, which is, of course, a hilarious dig at like, you know, uh, you know, comic books like Thor was not pre- did not premiere in Thor number one. He, he was in Journey into Mystery and, you know, like lots of titles back then had titles like that. Lots of books had titles like that, like Interesting Stories is like a pretty funny dig on that it's like it's in, they're interesting they're not fantastic they're not amazing mm. but they're, they're interesting um and then again within the show's continuity so he started in the 50s as a comic book and then he was uh turned into a adam west style kind of a cheese ball um movie series and there was three and apparently crusty the clown Originally was in the third movie. So it was Radioactive Man, Radioactive Man 2, Bring On the Sequel, and Radioactive Man 3, Oh God, Not Again. <laughs> Supposedly, in which Krusty the Clown was a Joker like villain. And that's where the persona, I guess, came from. And then Krusty the Clown, that we know and love in the show, is like a, a washed up has been who can't, you know, do anything better than a crappy you know kid show that he clearly doesn't love doing right. but um he was a he was originally a radioactive man bad guy um his, his powers well um apparently very few references to radioactive man's actual superpowers have even been made uh as a result the extent of his powers are not known it can be inferred that radioactive man has some level of superhuman strength and invulnerability um Due to his, you know, radioactive "quote unquote" powers, but it's kind of funny. They just like literally just don't like say. It's like what? <laughs> I mean, I guess he's right. radioactive, um, right? But uh, what does that mean? I don't know. Um. So later in real life, not in the show continuity, in our continuity, uh, continuity, uh, he appeared in real life comic book, uh, which has been published intermittently by the the company Bongo Comics. And uh Bongo did a lot to like sort of flush out the character and figure out more of a world and more of a more details about him um in that continuity, which I don't know if it's canon or not, um I would kind of assume not, but you know I'm not sure um his they gave him a secret identity for the first time, his name was Claude Kane the third, clearly using Clark Kent's initials, a millionaire yeah. playboy whose personality was well-intentioned, but bumbling and not overly bright. In addition, and this became a recurring storyline element, Claude's personality was permanently stuck in a conservative 1950s outlook on everything. So no matter what the time era in question was, a running gag is that in order to preserve his secret identity, Claude is constantly wearing various types of hats because in his costume, um, which is, like, I guess I'll describe the way he looks. He's pretty much just wearing a red suit. There's uh, yellow gloves, yellow boots. Um, he has a yellow cape, and he has just kind of, like, the radioactive symbol on, like, his chest. Um, but he also has, like, a lightning bolt sticking out of the very top of his head. Apparently, that's just actually stuck into his head. <laughs> uh, that's not part of the suit. Just, just um,
3: actually in his skull
1: yeah so it says in the comics a running gag is that in order to preserve his secret identity claude is constantly wearing different types of hats in order to conceal the lightning bolt shaped shrapnel sticking out of his head (laughs) so i i think that in the show they probably didn't ever mention that it probably was intentioned to be part of the suit and then in the comics they just were you know coming up with ideas and funny things and whatever and decided that that was going to be actually part of his head which i think is pretty damn funny um so i mean yeah you know this was a character that i knew existed i never got to see too many episodes with him i don't know that he was in that many but you know like bart would talk about him a lot so it was more like what you were saying uh eight bit about like mermaid man after they retired the characters. He would just kind of show up in the background or be in a picture or, you know, stuff like that. It was, it was even after they stopped talking about him, they would like reference and, you know, throw references in like he's going to be in, you know, Bart's room a bunch of times. They'll have a poster or a toy or a comic book line on the bed or something. Even if they're not talking about him, they very much, you know, pull from him as needed. Um, you know, just to remind us that, you know, Bart's a fan of this, this superhero. That's like part of Bart.
0: Yeah. Um, so right.
1: anyway um yeah there was also a rip off. they they ripped up. they it's funny they riffed on the fact that a lot of superheroes get ripped off and in like even dc and marvel have so many characters that are thinly veiled versions of each other i mean like you know white you know black cat and catwoman and stuff like that and so there's billions you know but um swamp thing man thing i don't know whatever but um yep. So, so there was a, there was a knockoff character in the world of the Simpsons that Millhouse was a fan of, but Bart was so, he thought it was so lame. And his name was radiation dude. And <laughs> Bart's like, this one episode, he's like, he's like, <laughs> he's like, oh God, radiation dude. He's like, oh, it's so lame. He's just, he's just a knockoff. He's just a knockoff of radiation of radioactive man. And Millhouse is like utterly surprised at this. I mean, he looks almost exactly the same too. <laughs> as if their names weren't like enough. And he's like, he's like, how do you mean? How so? And Bart's like, he's like, well, various reasons. And he doesn't even mention how similar their names are, but he's like, well, you know, radio- <laughs> Radioactive Man's catchphrase is Up and Atom. Adam Adam's spelled A-T-O-M in a delicious pun. He's like, but Radiation Dude has a much lamer uh, Up and Let's Go. <laughs> or something like that or up and let's get going or <laughs> like something like this super lame and it's just really funny like just ripping on that idea of, like so many yeah comic books would just rip off other comics that were successful and whatever but anyway so yeah radioactive man from the simpsons there you go he's a, nice. he's, a he's a big one i think yeah Also, uh, just real quick, I wanted to mention because I loved, loved, loved that DuckTales reboot on Disney Plus and in the world of the DuckTales reboot, Darkwing Duck would fit into this category because they did make him a TV show in the world of that DuckTales. But I didn't want to pick him because I feel like I've talked about DuckTales and Darkwing Duck enough. And also Darkwing Duck didn't actually start that way in right. the 90s in his actual show he really was just his own show so yeah. he could have been a pick for the first half of our Yeah episode,
3: me, me and Stephanie were coming up with like a whole list of all different characters and the Darkwing Duck came up and it really forced us to be like oh crap where does that fall he originally was just his own thing but then in the reboot of DuckTales yeah. he's he's this ki- type yeah, of character right. and it's yeah, really exactly. interesting he's like completely skirted both uh yeah. categories which was yep. uh pretty cool but yeah um awesome guys this was a super fun topic to go through and yeah. talk about and so yeah, many cool definitely. characters and just like fun funny memories great things from cartoons and just various things of the past um thanks so much to everyone uh who has been listening along the way and has stuck it out with us um we are here uh, almost at the end of the episode almost time to catch that horizon but before we say goodbye let's go to this Hey, you like old games? Yeah, yeah, so do we. But the thing is, there are new games
1: that actually play like they're old games, but they're new. Anyway, it's time to check one of those out. This is Retro Nouveau. Hey, everybody, how's it going? Parasite Steve back on the mic again with another Retro Nouveau. I have been playing a game that I quite enjoy. Uh, I'm actually not done with it, even though I have been playing it quite a bit. It's a... it's kind of long. It's kind of longish for, uh, for one of these new games that plays like an old game. It is called Cyber Shadow, and it was yeah. released a couple of years ago by Yacht Club Games, the uh, purve- fine purveyors of Shovel Knight and uh, all, the, all that that entails. It was developed, actually, by a different company altogether called Mechanical Head Studios. <clears throat> and Cyber Shadow is a uh, very NES-looking ninja game that on its surface, you know, you're gonna say it's like a little Ninja Gaiden looking, I guess, but it doesn't really play like a Ninja Gaiden. It plays more like a Shatterhand or Mega Man or something like that. It's it's uh it is more of a hack and slash like like Shatterhand is, but there's projectile stuff too. Lots of um you know character upgrades, really fun stuff. Uh basically this game just looks amazing. It has has a good soundtrack. it feels amazing it the, the control in this game is so incredibly tight like it's almost unmatched. it just could not possibly be tighter. It's really really yeah. great controls and um, you know it's one of those games that since you have upgradable abilities, um, you know you can go back to old levels so they expect you to not get everything the first time through and come back later at some point. Getting around between the levels is pretty easy. You can actually do it manually. You can actually go backwards and, you know, reach old levels. They all connect. The entire game does connect in that way. Or um, pretty much once per stage or twice per stage. Or some stages, I think, I don't know if every stage has one, but there are, like, warp points, basically. And uh, you, you can go Through those and easily go from level to level, um, to try out, you know, or to replay or something like that. Um, Basically, yeah, you're just this—you're just a cybernetic ninja named Shadow. Uh, Definitely a name that they can stop naming ninjas, in my opinion. Like, yeah, really. I mean, I mean, like, if I have one complaint about this game, it's that they named a ninja character Shadow again. Like, uh, Like, what are you doing? I mean, like, you could still name the game Cyber Shadow, but I right. mean, come on. But anyway, um, yeah, and I mean, it has, like, some weird mystical stuff. It has a lot of sci-fi stuff, it has mad sci- mad scientist stuff, um, has a really fun, unexpected, uh, like, thing. There's a whole level in Boss Fight with it where you enter this giant mech that's really unbelievably, like, so unexpected and so cool. And there's like, uh, there's a a few stages where they mix up the gameplay a little bit, but it's for the most part, it's just really solid metroidvania action. And, uh, I can't say enough about it and I don't need to say any more because you should just go get it. So what I will end with is it is on a bunch of platforms. It's on windows, uh, Linux, Mac switch, PlayStation four and five and Xbox one. However, um, as I learned the hard way, it's, If you're on a PlayStation, at least on a PlayStation 4, I don't have a PS5, but if you're on a PS4, so I can't speak for the the PS5. I'm just not sure about it. It's not easy to buy. Um, For some reason, if you go onto the PlayStation store within your PS4, it is not there. If you look up Cyber Shadow, it does not exist. You have to go and purchase it on your phone and then transfer it to your system. I even tried to do it with the store on a desktop, and that also didn't exist. It's like got to be a glitch or something, Mm -hmm. but it is there. It's like a $20 game, and uh, it's 100% worth it. It's just really, really incredibly hard to buy. On
3: PlayStation.
1: On PlayStation. Uh, Super on the Star. Switch, you I, can
3: find it no problem. But for yeah. some reason, Sony weirdly listed that game, and it is like invisible on it's, the console. Yeah,
1: you can't search for it. You can search for the exact name, and it does not matter. Wow. So,
3: so weird. Weird. Is, but, yeah. yeah.
1: And I believe this was done uh, pr- primarily programmed by one guy. This guy, uh, Arnie Hunziker. Um, probably said his name wrong. But um, he, uh, I guess, is like the main guy who did everything. I mean, it it really is an incredibly good game. So if you're into Metroidvanias, uh, new Metroidvanias that play like old Metroidvanias, uh, please check out Cyber Shadow. It is amazing. Everybody should play it.
3: Absolutely, it is. It's so good. Excellent, excellent game. So, like, evocative of those Ninja Gaiden, Shadow of the Ninja, all those kind of, like, Excellent, old school. You know, mm-hmm. back when ninjas were like a cool novel concept, everyone's Absolutely. like, "Oh, let's yeah, yeah. be a ninja!" That's the shit yeah. right there. You know. Uh, oh, I, like...
1: I got to give it. I'll give it. Yeah, I'll, I'll give this ten out of ten. Time traveling tentacles too, because like it, it really is like. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I really can't complain about much. Like, really, it's very, it's
3: good. really good. Heck yeah, heck yeah! yeah. It's so good to hear that. Awesome man, glad you're having a great time with that. Um, all right, folks. We're here. We're at the end. You did it. You made it. All 2 hours and change of this here. Good for you. <laughs> Powdered toast man gives you a righteous healthy fart. Uh <laughs> but We appreciate that you haven't jumped ship by now. We certainly hope that you've enjoyed this week's journey over the treacherous waters of all the things that made growing up. Awesome. If you liked what you heard, please hit the subscribe button and like us on Facebook and Twitter. We are also on good pods. If you are new to the podcast website, good pods is a great website that allows us to get feedback easily. You can comment on episodes. You can leave reviews. You can like things. You can follow people that we follow, uh, It's an awesome hub for all things podcasting, and especially for independent podcasters like ourselves, it's really helpful. So if you are so inclined, please check us out on goodpods.com. As well as being a part of the Inebriard Podcast Network, Retro Octopus is also a member of the Dorkening Podcast Network. So if you get a chance, please check out our sister shows like Splash Pages, Comics Paradox, Shark Bites, and Generation Playlist. For more information or to subscribe to us or any of these great shows, please visit thedorkening.com. And be sure to check out our killer sponsors who make coffee that is absolutely worth dying for. Deadly Grounds Coffee.
1: I figuratively (laughs) Yes,
3: (laughs) that. Don't really die. But you could, but you shouldn't.
1: You shouldn't, though. No. Not necessary.
3: Yo, you. Uh, I've been your host, Eight Bit Alchemy, and we will catch you on the next one.